Ready? Ready? Mm -hmm. Good evening. Welcome to the Tuesday, October 17th, 2023 Lawrence City Commission meeting. We will start the evening off with an executive session, and when we return from that, we will go over a few instructions from our city clerk, Sharon. Could I have a motion? Mayor, I move that we recess into an executive session Executive session for approximately 30 minutes to discuss a personnel matter involving a city employee pursuant to the non-elected personnel matter exemption, KSA 75-4319, subsection B1. The justification for the executive session is to protect employee privacy. The city commission will resume its regular meeting in the city commission room at 5.31 p.m. after the executive session is concluded. Second. I got a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes five to zero. We are in executive session till five thirty one. We have nothing to report, so we will adjourn till five forty five for the start of our regular meeting. Everybody ready? Good evening. Welcome to the Tuesday, October 17th, 2023 Lawrence City Commission meeting. We will begin tonight with a few instructions from our city clerk, um, Sherry. Thank you, Mayor, and good evening, everyone. If you are attending this meeting via Zoom, please ensure you are muted and your video is off when you are not actively participating in the meeting. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat and all chats go directly to the meeting host. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. When the mayor calls for public comment, those attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. Those participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. And participants will be called upon in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. Again, please state your name before speaking and all comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you, Sherry. Start off with, with item B. We've already done item A, which is executive session. We'll now go on to approving the agenda. City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Are there any commissioners that would like to reorder the agenda? If not, I'll ask for a motion. Move to approve the agenda. Second. And the first and the second, all in favor? Aye. 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 Passes five to zero. On to item C, which is our recognitions and proclamations. We will begin tonight with the first one, which is the recognition of next gen under 30. Do we have um, Sam? Sam, are you here to speak? I don't know that I can, uh, Sam Camp, Economic Development Analyst for the city. Um, I don't know that I can necessarily speak for all the honorees from this year and last year, uh, but I certainly appreciate the city um, taking the time to recognize the, the awesome young professionals that we have here in Lawrence. Um, and we actually have a few in the back. Um, I know we had 
uh, we're going to have an opportunity to take a photo. So yep. again, I appreciate that. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. I'll go ahead and read the proclamation. Whereas the next gen under 30 leadership recognition program from the Kansas Department of Commerce was founded in 2021, and its mission is to identify and honor talented young Kansans, encouraging them to pursue their lifetime, family, and career goals in Kansas. And whereas Lawrence strives to be a city that provides all people and businesses the opportunity for economic security and fosters an environment that encourages young people to pursue their passions within this community. And whereas NextGen under 30 recognizes and celebrates the next generation of creative, inspiring individuals who push the boundaries in various categories of endeavor. And whereas award winners are selected based on their participation and contribution to their communities. And whereas the honorees selected from Lawrence represent the talent, ambition, and knowledge that will define the future success of our region. Now therefore I, Lisa Larson, Mayor of the City of Lawrence, Kansas, do hereby encourage all citizens to recognize the young professionals in Lawrence who are honorees of the Next Gen Under 30 program from the Kansas Department of Commerce. Thank you. We'll get a picture. We have a quick picture. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, hello there. <laughs> Next dinner. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We won't we'll take it. Hello. hello. Congratulations. Uh, Casey Wine. Sam, why don't you go a little farther? Casey Wine. Yeah. Your ears must have been burning. I got some slides to sing you. Can we get that chair? Somewhere somebody on Zoom is getting a whole lot of this stomach right now. All right, all right. All right, look in here. One more. Okay, our next proclamation is to imagine a day without water. And I believe we have Trevor Flynn from our office. Thank, hi, Trevor. How you doing? Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. I'm Trevor Flynn, our Assistant Director with our Municipal Services and Operations Department. Tonight, I'm joined by Stephen Craig, our, our Treatment Division Manager, who oversees uh, the staff that's responsible for our water and wastewater uh, treatment operations and services. Uh, we are honored to be here and thank the commissioners for this proclamation. Imagine a day without water is a nationwide day of education and advocacy about the value of water. It is the responsibility of the Municipal Services and Operations Department to operate and maintain our two water treatment and two wastewater plants, along with the distribution and collection system in our environmental laboratory. It is our job for the community not to have to think about the importance of what we do by having constant and reliable service when they turn on the tap, run the dishwasher, or take a shower. 
It takes considerable effort, energy, and resources to constantly treat and deliver safe drinking water and collect and treat wastewater. But the most important aspect of this is the dedication and hard work of our staff for this critical service that must be delivered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'd like to thank them for all that they do for our community. And with that, I'd like to thank you for this proclamation. Thank you. Thanks. I'll read the proclamation now. Whereas October 19th, 2023 has been declared as Imagine a Day Without Water. Across the United States, encouraging all to highlight the critical importance of reliable access to safe and clean water in our lives. And whereas for years, we have seen communities lack access to safe drinking water and clean sanitation. The crisis in Flint, Michigan, Jackson, Mississippi, and other impacted areas illustrate the severe impacts of what can happen to the health and well-being of a community without equitable access to safe drinking water. And whereas variations in weather patterns and the impacts of climate change are causing widespread drought and flooding condition in regions throughout the United States, putting increased pressure on ill-equipped and unprepared water systems, and whereas water supply access is an ongoing issue across the western United States, including water resources in the state of Kansas, like the Kansas River, which is a vital source of water impacted by pollution, reservoir sedimentation, flood control, and harmful blue-green algae affecting public water suppliers and recreation. And investing, and whereas investing in our communities, drinking water and wastewater systems with improvements to infrastructure will secure a more res uh, resilient future to protect is valuable resource for future generations with equitable water access for all and whereas the city of Lawrence recognizes that water access is essential to the quality of life of all individuals and acknowledges the importance of educating the public about the value of water and the importance of our vital water infrastructure. Now therefore I Lisa Larson mayor of the city of Lawrence Kansas do hereby proclaim October 19th 2023 is imagine a day without water and I encourage the residents of Lawrence to actively learn about community water water infrastructure and to use our voices both online and in person to share why water is essential, invaluable, and in need of more investment to ensure its equitable access across the entire nation. Thank you. All right, our next proclamation is World Polio Day. And we have um, Chuck, we have Chuck talking, Chuck, old Chessie. Chessie, I'm sorry about that. I'm, uh -huh. I apologize. You did a great job with it. Better than most. <laughs> Good evening and thanks for uh, having us here. I represent the Lawrence Rotary Club, but not only Lawrence Rotary Club, the three Rotary Clubs uh, in Lawrence, the Jayhawk Breakfast Club and the uh, uh, Lawrence Central Rotary Club. Since the 70s, uh, Rotary has worked hard to eliminate polio in the world. You probably don't hear much about polio now and that's because of the efforts of Rotary. There are currently nine wild polio cases in the world. All of them are contained in Afghanistan and Pakistan. However, as recently as 2019, there were 176 wild polio cases in the world. Um, if you look at the chart, it goes up and down. And so Rotary has a saying that if polio exists anywhere in the world, it is a threat everywhere in the world. You probably heard earlier this year there was a uh, polio case in New York City. 
here in the United States, first polio case in decades. Um, again, because of intercontinental travel, uh, the polio virus can travel anywhere as long as it exists. So we are working along with the Gates Foundation, which matches all of our fundraising three to one uh, to eliminate polio in the world. And thank you for the proclamation signifying that. Thank you, Chuck. I'll read the proclamation now. Whereas Rotary International, founded on February 23, 1905 in Chicago, Illinois, USA, is the world's first and one of the largest nonprofit service organizations, and whereas Rotary is a global network consisting of over 1.4 million members in more than 46,000 clubs in 221 countries and geographical areas who unite as neighbors, friends, leaders, and problem solvers to take action to create lasting change in communities across our, goal, our globe. And whereas to date, Rotary has contributed more, more than $2.6 billion in countless volunteer hours to protecting over 3 billion children in 122 countries. And whereas Rotary is working to raise an additional $50 million per year, which would be leveraged for a maximum impact of an additional $100 million annually from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And whereas there are 133 members of the Lawrence Rotary Club, 84 members of the Jayhawk Breakfast Rotary Club, and 39 members of the Lawrence Central Rotary Club, who sponsor service projects to address such critical issues as poverty, disease, hunger, illiteracy, and the environment in our local community and abroad. And whereas Lawrence Rotarians have committed their time, talent, and treasure to continue support to Polio Plus until polio is finally eradicated from the earth. Now, therefore, I, Lisa Larson, Mayor of the City of Lawrence, do hereby proclaim October 24th, 2023, as World Polio Day. And I encourage all Lawrence citizens to participate in this, this observance. Thank you. All right, we're on to item D, which is public comment. The public is allowed to speak on issues or items that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. Comments should be limited to issues and items germane to the business of the governing body. The commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented during this time. Members of the public will be limited to three minutes for comments. So anybody who has general public comments on items that are not already on the agenda. Come on up. My name is Felicia Orr. I just got here, I've been here nine days, and I'm, I'm trying to get adjusted. We stay in a shelter, and in the shelter, we leave at seven o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock at night. But where are we supposed to go and what are we supposed to do? I have no problem with it, and I do hold up a sign, a homeless sign, in between time. I done put out 12 applications, and haven't got no return phone call. But still, it's still a whole bunch of time with nothing to do. And that's all. Thank you for your comments. Any other general public comment? Good evening. My name is John Heliniak. My business partner and I own most of the land behind Johnny's where the sanctioned and unsanctioned camps are located. While both camps are technically located on city property, campers, their possessions and trash are constantly encroaching on our land. 
Because of this, I have spent 10 to 20 hours a week over the past three years, working with those who live in the camps, advocates, and city officials to keep the property clean, free of debris and illegal campers. It's a never-ending job. In the last three years, I have observed the same people continuing to live in the camps. There's little to no transition to stable housing. In my conversations with the people in the camps, very few have indicated their desire to move to the Pallet City because they are unwilling to comply with the Pallet City rules, which poses several questions. Are people not getting the services they need to help them? Or are some people choosing to live in the camps not as a temporary solution, but as a permanent one? If the latter is true, the people are choosing to live in the unsanctioned camp without rules, it's not a housing issue. The issue is that some people don't want to follow the rules, whether that is, whether that is the pallet city, the sanctioned camp, the shelter, or laws within our community. We need to send a strong message that we are here to help and support those who are actively working to help themselves and who take personal accountability to follow the rules that have been established to receive that help. Help is conditional. For those who aren't following the rules or laws, we must stop making exceptions, stop spending precious and limited resources, and stop making it easy and acceptable to take advantage of benefits with no accountability. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thank you. Other general public comment on items? Thank you, sir. Hi, my name is Carrie Martinez. Before I begin, I would like for every one of you on council to look at me, look at my face. I'm one of the homeless in this town. I'm also a taxpayer, I'm a voter. And I put my money into this town. What you guys are allotting for LCS it's a Excuse travesty. Ma'am, ma is, is this about the community yes. shelter? And we're going to have that later in the agenda, and you can come and speak into that for three Thank minutes. You. Thank you. Thank you. I have plenty to say. Other general public comments on items that aren't on the agenda? It's not on the agenda of, like, putting into, like, uh, lower income uh, housing, stuff like that. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Well, yep, I think okay. it should be, like, more, uh, like, putting into low-income housing for people that's um, out here trying to seek shelter that don't have the money to to like get into the homes you see what I'm saying like this they got this thing going on like talking about three times the rent that's ludicrous when you just one person some people can't see that I mean you know where I'm going with this three times the it the amount of income for one person that's it's impossible. And then plus, when you out here independent trying to make it, it's uh, getting harder for us to like seek shelter. Even low income, they making it more harder, it's credit scores, stuff like that. You know, that's how it's more homeless people being out here on the street because they making the rules like, I mean, it's crazy. They making it harder for you to get into shelter. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The living of cost is going up. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They say low income, but high is low income, and you going up on the the income. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. On housing when it's supposed to be low income. 
who can afford a thousand a month or nine, you know? It's just maybe if you got a job or some people can't work, you see? You know what I'm saying? Do I make it, am I making sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. I hear you. I mean, things to look into. I mean, that's how people go in more homeless because of things like this or, or not meeting the criteria or the material to seek shelter because of the rules that they're coming up with now. Mm, maybe I should take more time. To, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should take more time to, like, find, I mean, dig into it so I can speak more on the conversation. So, you, I mean, you can hear me out more on the, you know, when I'm trying to go with this. Mayor, you might want to go over yeah. the rules of yeah. public comment again, where she may yeah. not understand that we can't respond back. Yeah. Or the campus way. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. The rules, we're, I mean, we're here to, ma'am, we're here to listen tonight. And so you have an opportunity to talk to us and let us know what is happening with your situation. Um, but we don't provide comment back at this point in time. Okay. Okay. That's understandable and acceptable. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I do hear you. I do. Other general public comment? Um, good evening, everyone. My name is Juana Zhao. I'm the owner of Encore Cafe. I'm really proud to be, I'm being in Lawrence since like the third year I immigrated to the state with my family. And I grew up in Lawrence. I love this community. And I would do anything to help this community during like pandemics and everything. I've been handling foods to the, to the homeless and everything that to help the community. But for the last year after we, we opened our door for dining um, for the restaurants, we've been having people that coming to harassing us, coming in. I will give them water whenever they need and you know, I let them like kind of hang out and sit there, take a break or anything when it's cold weather. I know it's hard to turn them away. But I start having like people that like screaming at my restaurants and like just harassing, like, you know, going around tables, harassing customers. In the meanwhile, they're having dinners. It just terrifying my customers. And my customers have been turning into friends. They're not just my customers anymore. The community I cared. And I seen less and less of my my fan, like my friends to come in to say hi to me, even waving at the windows because they're safety concerned. I have like, I'm the, I'm the last person to walk out the restaurant in the evenings, but I've been experienced like people whacking out our window with a stakes and I have to call the police to come in to like walk me out to the back door to like go home. It's just the safety issues and I, that like I hope the city will bring up. And I also experienced like people like stripping in front of the window during a dinner rush and they just dash away just to flash. And it just, customer was just like freaking out, like looking at us, covering their children's eyes and like, you know, try to hurry up and get out of the restaurant. And it just, it's getting worse and worse, the, the problems. And I have been like helping first aid somebody that got attacked from the corner. A homeless guy just ran out and randomly attacked 
attacking a group of people. And I have to like, first aid, like it was happening right in front of 10 street corners, Menasonic Temple, it's right next to my store. And I just have to come out and help them out and first aid until the ambulance coming in. I love this community. I've been here. I grew up here since the third year I immigrated here. I just want to address the issues. If there's anything we can help the community, let us help too. But I hope that the city will do something for this. Thank you. Thank you. Other general public comment from the room? <laughs> no. I can't, I can't hear. If no, if there's no other public comment in the room, can we'll go to Zoom. Oops, here you go. I'm Sean Wells and Barry Feeker at our local homeless coalition meeting, he stated that contrary to the numbers that was in the point in time count in Topeka, that actually, and I don't know if it meant right in Topeka or what he considered his general catchment area, that homelessness had actually gone up to 600 or 700 people. And that he was saying that generally those point in time counts are rarely really accurate for all kinds of different reasons. And when people say, well, our homelessness has gone up here as compared to other communities, it, it may not really be the truth exactly. The other thing I'd like to address is like someone like Tristan Hollins, he wasn't from here. And I can't tell if he was let out of a mental hospital or the jail someplace. He was from Wichita. And there seemed to be no particular plan on getting him housing or following up with mental health services. You know, the people at the camp said this man is dangerous before that stabbing never happened. And you know, when people like that do things, then everybody that's unhoused gets blamed. They're dangerous. They don't want help. And I'm told that there were people, you know, in, in the service community that saw him, they call it decompensation why he was not taken to the Treatment of Recovery Center for some kind of evaluation or something forcibly if necessary. I thought that, that was part of what having the Treatment of Recovery Center was about when someone, you know, was, you know, losing their balance that they could be taken over there. And, I mean, it's my understanding that hospitals are letting people off at the Lawrence Community Shelter from the state hospital and another hospital in Kansas City, sometimes without notice, with no particular plan. I don't think people realize, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of this. You know, what's going on? You know, somebody's put into a hospital to stabilize and then put back out to homelessness. Obviously, you know, they, they have a lot of deep needs. And to, I just, there seems to be no plan except, okay, you've got stabilized but there's not a real plan afterwards. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Other general public comment from the room? Um, 
My name is Sandra Sloan. Sandra Sloan. Um, I became homeless last this early this year, and I'm in a program at the Lawrence Community Shelter to get housing. Um, I so eight months of being homeless and getting to know all the places where the resources are and things like that. I've gotten to know a lot of homeless people, and by far most of them are honest. They're not thieves, not criminals, they're not crazy. I mean, whatever, I hate to use that word crazy, but they're on their meds or they're doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. But the, the, the situation that the woman was speaking about is probably an anomaly. And there's gonna be, so I guess I want it to be known that, that most of the homeless people are law-abiding citizens. And, and they're, they're honest. They're not going to steal from you. They're not going to do anything like that. And they have real care for each other because we're all in it together. And we just avoid, like, I've never been to Tent City. I don't plan to go there. I've heard stories that it's a little rough. So I don't, I'm 61. I don't need to be there. But I just want you to know that the homeless population is, is a lot bigger than we know. I see homeless people every day when I drive around. Um, that are not part of the community of homeless. They're loners, and they're they have their signs, they have their backpacks, and, and all. But there's so many more homeless that are just not in the community of homeless people, where we teach each other where to go, where to, the dare center, you know, the shelter, the night by night, whatever, and then the shelter that the city puts in the community center, things like that. We, we share information where to go for for link to eat. Um, or Salvation Army, and but there's a ton of homeless people that are just isolated in individuals, and I just don't want the, there to be a stereotype associated with homeless when most of us are just uh, having a hard time and, and down on the luck, maybe for the first time in our lives, and um, never I never experienced homelessness before. I have my reasons, and they're not necessarily good ones, but they're real, and. Um, yeah, I just want that to be known. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Other public comment on items that are on the agenda from the room? If not, we'll go to Zoom. Yeah, Oops, I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't see you. Do I need to introduce myself? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> uh, my name's Howard Callahan. I worked at the shelter for six years. I've been in homeless outreach team for about four years. I've been doing homeless advocacy for about as long as I can remember. Um, I see a lot of guardedness and mistrust in the overall conversation surrounding these issues. Um, and I don't honestly know what to do about it. Um, I don't know what can be done about it. Um, I can say that from my experience of working in the pressure cooker that was the highly unstable environment administratively of the shelter, that produced a good amount of mistrust in me for you know relating to the board, relating to the city, the homeless community at large, you know, um, and I have any number of things that I could say on this issue, but I certainly don't have enough time to say them right here. But I will say that if you are in a position of decision making, administrative decision making, I beg you, beg you to use as much patience and as much 
listening capacity as you have at your disposal to understand the guardedness from the homeless community, from the community of advocates, from the folks that do not trust the administrative solutions as they have been done up to this point were done in good faith or that there will be better decision making in the future without an effort made to substantively regain the trust and rebuild lines of communication with the people that are being impacted by this and the people that are on the ground actually having to implement whatever decisions are being made. Thank you. Any other public comment? I got somebody coming in. Hi. My name is Alex Fusicki. Um, first, I would like to say thank you for everyone who works for shelter and housing initiatives. Hey, are you talking, are you wanting to speak about some of the items that are already on the agenda? Um, I'm talking about shelter in general. I'm not talking about like the board members specifically. Okay. I will wait if you want me to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we kind of crossed the line there, and I sure don't want to uh, do that as much as possible. You, we've got three shots at it, and we've got three items on the regular agenda that um, we'll, we'll cover some of that. So, okay. Heard. <laughs> Any other public comment on items that are not on the agenda in the room? If not, we'll go to Zoom. Kristen Shook. Hello, my name is Kristen Shook, and I wanted to speak on the gap that I have noticed within the Lawrence community for individuals who are seeking recovery from substance use and the disease of addiction. I know there are detox locations, but in my knowledge of substance use, when somebody is detoxed from their substance of choice, as soon as that is out of their system, the thing that they will need physiologically is that substance and if there is not a plan of action for these individuals who are being detoxed to go into a stable um, place where they can get some residential treatment then detox is not going to be a solution um, mental health supports and mental health stuff like that and treatment is not going to treat a substance use disorder or substance use addiction disease. So I would like to encourage everybody to begin to think about residential treatment as an option for these individuals who are seeking recovery. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers and I just was gonna I want to bring up again that I hope you all at least have a discussion about who becomes mayor next time because I don't think this current situation's working. Um, especially with this new, with the boards being restructured, I'm just wondering, are we going to have a bunch of people that are going to be a, need, needing to be appointed to new boards? If so, um, I, I think... Uh, Vi the vice mayor, Lil John, should at least have to give, you know, he should make a public comment about like what he's going to look for. Is is he going to value diversity? I mean, he's going. The the new mayor could have a potential could potentially have a lot of 
responsibilities and power this next one if they're going to be appointing people to all these new these these boards and i i think you all should actually have a conversation about what what should the mayor be doing and then vote on the mayor you would choose to do that because I, I let's just say there's some people on there I don't I would not want on again to be appointing people, but there's some that I would. So I, I just want to throw that out there. I'm not trying to disparage anyone currently. Just that we need to have a better system in place. And you also you you changed how third place gets what you know third place now gets four years, but that means that both people and the other they get they get a turn at being mayor like you've changed how it works but you only changed half of it you know you changed half of it but you're not discussing the other half of it when could what you have chosen you know what you changed it might be affecting the other half so i think y'all need to actually discuss it this time and i will be bringing it up again thank you other public comment on zoom that's all the comments, Mayor. All right, bring it back to the commission. So now we're ready to move on to item E, which is consent agenda. Items on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and approved by one motion. Members of the governing body may remove items for separate discussion if desired. Members of the public may remove items identified as quasi-judicial for separate discussion if desired. Members of the public will be limited to three minutes for comments. Is there any member of the commission that would like to remove any item from the consent agenda? Nope. We do not have any quasi-judicial items, I don't think. We have one. We do? Or, no, we don't. We don't. We don't have any, right? Move for approval of the consent agenda. Second. We got a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Passes five to zero. Move on to the work session. The work session provides an opportunity for the City Commission to discuss items in greater detail. The Commission will take no binding action on items presented during this time. Work session topics are eligible for public comment. Members of the public will be limited to three minutes for comments. Our item on our work session is received the strategic plan update from Strong Welcoming Neighborhoods and Outcome Team. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Uh, Brandon McGuire, Assistant City Manager. I'm going to um, kick off the presentation, and I think usually you'd expect somebody from uh, Planning and Development Services, uh, as they are our, um, they represent our Strong Welcoming Neighborhoods Champion Group. Um, but I have been working with um, uh, some of our homelessness initiatives and staff for a while, and um, thought I could provide some comments uh, to try to uh, tee it up for Misty here tonight. Um, so we did uh, present a couple weeks ago to the City Commission back in September and covered a number of topics and there were some follow-up questions and we wanted to address uh, some of those this evening. Um, sorry, it's not advancing. There we go. Okay, we're good to go. Um, so just a little bit of context, um, Strong Welcoming Neighborhoods uh, references, it's, it's a reference to the city's strategic plan. Um, 
and uh, it is one of the five outcomes. Um, so the outcomes are the work that we do, it represents the work that we do. Um, there's also six commitments in our strategic plan. Um, and just for anybody who's not familiar with our six commitments, that's the way that we approach our work. Um, and so uh, strong low community neighborhoods, when we talk about that, we're talking about working towards an outcome where all people in Lawrence um, uh, live in a safe, functional, and aesthetically unique neighborhood, that they have opportunities um, that lead health, to lead healthy lifestyles with access to safe and affordable housing and essential services that help them thrive. And so uh, we, we measure progress towards our outcomes uh, with key performance indicators. Um, SWN obviously stands for Strong Welcoming Neighborhoods. Um, and you'll see uh, on the slide there are 14 Strong Welcoming Neighborhood KPIs, key performance indicators. Um, what we're talking about is rooted in, and I guess you can't see my cursor necessarily, but it is rooted in Strong Welcoming neighbor Neighborhoods KPI number six, uh, which is the point in time count for people experiencing homelessness. And so this is um, just a restatement of Strong Welcoming Neighborhoods KPI number six and a high-level strategy statement. Uh, and the strategy is to create lasting solutions to connect people to housing um, and to make homelessness a rare, brief, and one-time experience. And so that really draws on language from uh, Built for Zero and our commitment to ending chronic homelessness. Um, we heard Sherilyn uh, reference the point in time count in public comment um, and just wanted to provide those numbers from the 2023 point in time count for Douglas County. Um, I do, and so you'll see the numbers here, 351 uh, total individuals experiencing homelessness and of those 95 are unsheltered. Um, and so I think it is, um, it is probably obvious, but to state the obvious, that we think is a, is a grossly undercounted number. Um, that being said, that represents a substantial increase compared uh, to the 2022 point in time count um, of 232 uh, total individuals experiencing homelessness. Um, as uh, you're aware, and we've talked about in different um, presentations or discussions, um, the city and the county are committed to the Built for Zero model um, or methodology. And a key piece of that is working on our data and our information. Um, Douglas County is taking the lead, um, and uh, Kristen Egan is helping with that from the Kansas Statewide Homeless Coalition, and I think doing some really good work to help uh, develop the, the HMIS system, which is the data management system um, for service providers uh, who are serving people experiencing homelessness. And through HMIS, that's how we populate that by name list. Um, so a lot of work is going into that, um, led by Douglas County and uh, in partnership and cooperation with um, service providers around the community. Um, so in addition to the city's overall strategic plan, which is a very broad um, strategic plan, we have been working for the last several years on um, some strategic analysis of the homelessness response system as well as supportive housing um, uh, capacity. And um, following those 
the, the analysis on, on those topics, uh, we have been working on a strategic plan specifically related to homelessness. Um, and so that plan is called A Place for Everyone. And I just wanted to share this slide. I'm actually uh, plagiarizing Leah Rosalind's presentation from several months ago. Um, thank you, Leah. But this uh, visual, I think, is very helpful to show the, um, the extent of that plan, A Place for Everyone. Um, and so these are five broad focus areas, equity and inclusion, affordable housing, supportive housing systems, and emergency shelter. Um, within each of these boxes, there in, are in some cases several pages worth of um, needs that have been identified. And uh, there, there are work groups around each of these focus areas working on developing strategies to address those needs. Um, the city has taken a leadership role for affordable housing and for emergency shelter. And so what we're here to talk about tonight mainly is emergency shelter, um, although I will just uh, state for the record um, that I think uh, housing is the solution to homelessness. And so um, while these are broken up sort of in a spectrum, um, working on affordable housing development is, I think, just as critical to our um, strategies as working on emergency sheltering. So a lot of the um, discussion at the last um, city commission meeting sort of revolved around um, camping and and what does the city to do um, to address camping, uh, concerns about camping. And um, really, I, I feel like this was an opportunity tonight um, to provide some clarity about that. And, and working with our team, uh, you know, we, we sort of identified that we hear kind of two categories of concerns. One is um, uh, concerns about a new campsite um, that has just recently popped up um, and, it, and you know, it could be in a park or downtown um, or even on private property. Um, and so that is, I think, one of the most common concerns um, th that we are alerted to is um, somebody is you know, visiting their park on Saturday and they realize that, there's, that they've got a new neighbor um, in the park and what, what can be done about that? How can we help that individual? How can we help um, maintain the use of the park for, um, for everybody? And so there are a couple of relevant um, uh, policies that I just wanted to point out. These are linked in the presentation, so anybody following along can click on those links and hopefully it'll guide you um, to the right destination. So the first is park hours, um, and that is a section of city code that's an ordinance um, that establishes the hours uh, in which a park, uh, city park can be occupied. Um, uh, occupancy within city parks is prohibited by code overnight. Um, so folks are not allowed to be in parks um, between certain hours and those are defined in the code. Um, there's also uh, the downtown, um, what I sort of call the downtown ordinance. Um, and that code, uh, just to summarize it, um, states that Camping is prohibited in the downtown, um, but if there are instances where there is not available um, shelter, uh, a bed at the shelter, then um, a citation will not be issued as long as somebody is camping on public property that is zoned commercial district. Um, so that is a very limited amount of property in the downtown, and I would generally say that is um, where Camp New Beginnings is um, in North Lawrence along the riverbank. 
Um, and then uh, a third document that I wanted to just kind of touch on is the Lawrence Library, uh, Lawrence Public Library uh, behavior policy. And um, I know a, a point of concern has been uh, the lawn adjacent to the public library between the Vermont Street parking garage and the library. And our staff has been working with um, Kathleen and Brad and the library team um, to come up with some solutions about how we might make that feel like a safer environment for everybody who uses the library. Um, we did, uh, we did um, I guess, propose a lease agreement for the use of that space to the library. Um, I'm told the library board reviewed that, um, I believe, last night and uh, is in agreement with it. And so we expect that to come for the city commission, um, probably the first meeting of November. Um, but what that will do is enable the library to extend their behavior policy um, to the library lawn and then take um, any sort of enforcement actions uh, consistent with that policy and with their processes. So again, kind of two categories of um, concerns that we're talking about. The first is, um, what do we do to help somebody um, who has established a new campsite? Um, so I, I wanna, I guess I'm announcing now, um, there will be some uh, publicity about it from our communications team to, starting tomorrow. Um, but we will have a new reporting uh, tool on our website, and I believe a phone number as well. Um, and so this will be, we, we have a number of different web forms where you can report different types of concerns to the city, um, such, as, uh, such as like a pothole, for example, um, and then get a response from city staff um, and an expectation of what happens next. And so um, a very frequent concern that is addressed to city commissioners, to city management, to police, to parks and rec is, is you know, our concerns around camping and new campsites that have emerged. Um, and so we wanna be able to provide a way and some clarity for people to notify the city about that and to understand what, what happens uh, when we receive that information. And so what will happen is uh, first, uh, we do outreach. And so we um, will work with our homeless outreach team at Burt Nash um, or with city staff um, in our uh, homeless initiatives division and go outreach to the individual at the campsite and explain to them what the rules are, um, what, the, what the city code says uh, relevant to that particular location. Um, we, will, uh, we will post notice with that information as well um, and refer folks to Lawrence Community Shelter or Camp New Beginnings. Um, and, and then we, you know, what we have been doing and what we'll continue doing is providing a minimum of 24 hours notice and allow folks then to uh, relocate and hopefully go seek um, shelter at one of those two locations. Um, we'll go back then again after 24 hours. Um, the, the outreach uh, professional will go back out and uh, Usually we do see voluntary compliance and we would expect that to continue. Um, if, if that's not the case and the individual is still there, then they'll have the conversation again and they'll let them know that they will need to, re will need to relocate um, or a member of law enforcement will need to be engaged. Um, and so uh, if, if needed, law enforcement will then be contacted and will arrange for a law enforcement contact with that individual. Um, Law enforcement will have the same conversation, explain the rules around that location and what their, what their options are to seek um, shelter. 
uh, they'll then give them another 24 hours um, and then go back out and check to make sure that there's been voluntary compliance. And almost in every situation where we've had to do this, there is voluntary compliance. Um, if not, then um, they'll have another conversation with them and they'll have to make a decision about whether law enforcement action is needed at that point, which would um, typically be the issuance of a citation um, or if needed to pursue um, trespassing. All right, so um, finally, just uh, with, with um, kind of new short-term campsites, our goal, um, just as with uh, anything that we're working on around emergency sheltering, is to uh, provide access, get access for people um, to stabilize and, and shelter or camp new beginnings, and then hopefully go ahead and, and um, get case management support and access housing. The second category that we'll talk about, and I'm, I'm going to turn it over to Misty here in just a moment, is um, what do we do about longer-term campsites? Um, I think we're all familiar with a number of uh, different campsites that are longer-term, uh, pretty well established, and have a larger population. Um, so what we're talking about here is a longer strategy. Um, we are working on uh, this, you know, the city, the county, and our partners. Um, in service provision are working to build the systems that are really needed to be able to be effective in those situations and help um, what are in some cases several dozen folks um, at a campsite uh, access services without completely overwhelming the system and do that in a way that they're safe, that the providers are safe, and that we're able to successfully connect them to resources and housing. Um, so that involves uh, multidisciplinary outreach, um, safe sheltering, case management, wraparound services, and then again, housing is always the solution, so working towards that all the time. Um, so with that, I'll turn it over to Misty and have her talk a little bit more in depth about what that process looks like. Good evening, commissioners and Madam Mayor. Um, First, I want to thank you for your time today and for allowing me to present on behalf of the Housing Initiatives Division. Um, today marks my three-month anniversary. I am grateful to be working um, in concerted efforts with a lot of the local service providers, and I want to express my appreciation for the support from the community, um, the business owners, and neighborhoods while we work on the um, very important and sensitive work of helping our unhoused neighbors recover from homelessness. On the 17th of September commission meeting, there was a few asks from commissioners. Um, the one that I'm going to cover right now is a high-level overview of the process used to move people um, out of homeless camps and into suitable shelter. I will walk you through the process and talk about what we currently have and what we need support um, on uh, from the community to accomplish. So the first step uh, would be homeless outreach engagement. Um, street outreach involves moving outside the walls of an agency to engage with people experiencing homelessness who may be disconnected and alienated not only from mainstream services and supports, but also from services targeting homeless persons as well. This is incredibly important work designed to help establish supportive relationships, give people advice and support, and hopefully enhance the possibility that they will access uh, necessary services and supports that will help them move off the streets. Engagement is the process of meeting people where they're at and finding out their information, figuring out what their potential barriers are to housing, and then we build trust and gather information to add them to the by name list. 
Um, our current approach to homeless outreach is our contract with Burt Nash. Um, they are an overstretched team trying to move people out of homelessness with limited options for emergency shelter housing. Um, the City of Lawrence funds Burt Nash Homeless Outreach Team in the amount of $579,000. We receive 6.6 .6 full-time case management positions that work with the homeless in different capacities, such as operating a walk-in model of in-reach, six hours a day of homeless outreach within the community, manning a phone line where individuals that are um, experiencing a housing crisis can call and uh, look for supports. And then they have a justice involved program where a case manager is given our municipal court documents and then they attempt to connect the individuals to their court dates so further criminalization does not occur. Um, what I feel we need is a multidisciplinary homeless outreach team that meet people where they are and work on connecting individuals to the services and the disciplines they represent in a progressive engagement model. Whereas other approaches may be guided by a sense um, that providers can predict what kind of interventions um, are needed or kind of a provider saying, I know what's best for you. Um, progress progressive engagement meets each individual or household where they are and is focused on housing. Progressive engagement assesses a household's unique strengths and circumstances to determine the lightest touch interventions required to resolve their immediate housing crisis. My vision for a multidisciplinary team would include peer specialist, recovery specialist, community health care worker, crisis trained police officers, and a mental health professional. Um, and that could be expanded upon, of course. We've had conversations with Lawrence Police Department, RADAC, Artists Helping the Homeless, Heartland, Burt Nash, Douglas County Fire and Medical, and others about how this model could work and have received some verbal commitments to be a part of this model. Um, some of our other needs around uh, outreach engagement are a navigation center. Um, we need one place the community recognizes as the place to send folks for help. Um, the place that they can be fed, clothed, and receive guidance on next steps. Um, we need a unified use of our homeless management information system with uh, geographical information. Um, we're working with Kansas Statewide Homeless Coalition on becoming educated on how the current system can collect GIS data, um, geographical data. Um, regular and consistent documentation of outreach efforts decrease the likelihood of overlooking individuals experiencing homelessness who are in, uh, most in need, as well as duplication of services. A systematic approach also allows greater participation from other partners and systems in the community and faster access to a wider variety of targeted and mainstream programs. Emergency shelter. So once we have gained the trust of an individual experiencing homelessness and they want to exit homelessness, the next step would be to offer them a suitable emergency shelter. Um, shelter is a basic human need crucial for survival in case of natural hazards and human-induced disasters, including conflict. It provides security, personal safety, and protection from the weather and prevents health problems and diseases. Right now, we have limited options that have eligibility requirements. We have a Lawrence Community Shelter that has a service model that offers programming and services to about 20 individuals. We have Willow for individuals experiencing domestic violence situation. And we expect to have pallet shelter up and running by December of this year. 
um, if someone is a violent or sexual offender, they are not suitable for pallet shelter. Due to its location within the neighborhood and with it being near a school, we feel that this population will not best be served by Pellet Shelter Village. Exiting chronic homelessness and entering shelter is, very, uh, is a very difficult decision for a lot of unsheltered neighbors. The barriers that we have now of getting a person experiencing homelessness into a shelter makes it more difficult for them. The system we have now at our emergency shelter typically requires a referral by a particular agency who then um, has to complete a referral documentation and wait for approval. Our current emergency shelter system does not allow an adequate number of beds available to the population experiencing homelessness. None of our current emergency shelter systems or local nonprofit organizations offer emergency shelter for children or families experiencing homelessness. We have 17 households with children on our by name list, and many of those households are unsheltered. As we look at expanding capacity at LCS, we need to be cognizant of the need for a different place, not only for families, but also for individuals that may not fit eligibility requirements for pallet shelter. Um, they cannot handle the congregate nature, um, individuals that cannot handle the congregate nature of LCS uh, due to trauma or other reasons, um, but we need a low barrier start to ending that uh, population's homelessness. Um, removing barriers to obtaining and maintaining housing. And once a suitable bed, food, access to hygiene facilities, and clean clothing, an individual can then focus on what they need to accomplish to obtain and maintain housing, and they can start focusing on these programmatic needs. Um, no two people we serve will have the same barriers or need the same level of support. The list of programmatic needs shows a high-level guide of what support within a shelter program can look like. Um, starts with an assessment by a case manager to see what strengths they have and what barriers they face. Based on an, that assessment, a map to next steps is developed. This map can look like receiving proper um, mental or physical health services, obtaining a source of income, searching for suitable housing, and then receiving at least one year of ongoing case management so we can support an individual's recovery from homelessness um, and act as a landlord liaison and remove any potential barriers to staying housed. Um, once in permanent housing, um, it is vital that the services do not stop there. Um, it, it can be a massive adjustment when someone enters housing and there's a need for support as this becomes their new norm. Uh, this support can look like help finding community in their neighborhood, learning how to cook and clean, finding a church family, learning the transit system, learning how to communicate with landlords, and so on. Um, and then, of course, there's going to be a, a percentage of our population that is resistant completely to shelter, housing, and services initially. Um, we know that these, um, even with the best outreach teams available, um, there's still going to be some resistance to shelter or services for an unknown amount of time. These individuals are usually experiencing a more significant, severe and persistent mental illness or substance use disorder. There's no fast magic answer for this type of person experiencing homelessness. It is just going to take time and relationship building. Earning trust, identifying an individual's needs, and showing care and concern by meeting those needs. 
I hope that we will find a place in our community to serve this population with a different array of services so they are not peppered throughout the community anymore. We have 25 to 45 additional pallets that we could look at using for this population to offer them safe shelter out of the elements while we continue to build relationships. Having this option for this population would also help LCS from being overburdened with individuals who have a higher level of need contained in one area. Thank you. Okay, and then we just have one more slide, and this is just um, touching on a couple of uh, additional questions that the commissioners had last time. Um, the Related to the Pinckney neighborhood, there, I think there were concerns about communications between the city and the Pinckney neighborhood. Uh, we have um, been working with our, through our communications team and homeless initiatives division team um, at uh, communicating with them very regularly, um, sending out email updates, um, I believe every eight days or so, um, and meeting with them in person as well. Uh, there was just an, another meeting last night. Um, there have been a couple meetings in person uh, with that group of, of representatives from the neighborhood. Um, and I think that communication is, is flowing, information is flowing. They're getting answers to questions. I don't want to represent how they feel about um, the project, but um, I do think that they might state that they are getting access to um, information when they're, uh, that addresses their questions. Um, let's see. I, I, I did touch on the second bullet point about um, communicating ways to reach the homeless programs team. Um, we think uh, with the launch and the announcement of uh, the web reporting form through our website, uh, that'll provide a uh, easy, um, well that and the phone number, an easy way for people to um, get their concerns to us so that then they can see, um, see, see action. Um, uh, I'll say with uh, winter shelter and with um, Lawrence Community Shelter, I think that's something we'll talk about on regular agenda um, with the funding agreement. Uh, we do touch on that in that funding addendum. Um, and then uh, the panhandling, panhandling laws, there's a question about that. Um, I apologize, but the code citation got cut off in the slide, unfortunately. Um, but I've all I was planning on doing this evening was just kind of referencing the code that um, uh, defines panhandling and aggressive panhandling and the situations in which panhandling um, would not be uh, permissible. And then um, finally, the Pallet Shelter Village. Um, I think Misty uh, gave a good update on that in terms of um, the timeline for when we expect to be opening. Um, I will say uh, we've uh, lined it up with the folks from Pallet, um, and they will be here uh, the week after Thanksgiving um, to install the cabins with us. Um, construction of the uh, private improvements, uh, private infrastructure improvements is going well. Um, there's a lot of work going on right, right now. A lot of it is kind of underground and flat work, um, but that's all in preparation to be able to just come in that last week um, of November and drop the cabins um, on their on their pads. So looking forward to completing the construction project and um, operating that hopefully very soon. So that is it for the Strong Welcoming Neighborhoods update and uh, we'll stand for questions. We also have some other staff members if, um, if we need to engage them. Thank you, Brandon. Um, any questions from the commissioners? Staff? We have a couple questions. Um, 
I kind of want to touch on reporting, but I know we're going to talk about that as it relates to the addendum, but I'll just stay high level. Um, when there's been a bunch of conversation back and forth about wrapping up recommendations, teasing out information as far as updating MOUs for some of our partners. So we kind of got that done fairly quickly for LCS. When do you expect to have it done for the rest of these groups that were identified? So it looks like Burt Nash, Heartland Health, RADAC, Artists Helping Homeless, Douglas County. When do we expect to have these MOUs in yeah. front of us to review? Uh, go ahead. Um, as far as timeline, um, have a plan for a timeline because we don't know who's going to be operating it yet. And I think um, who's going to be operating what? The shelter is that what you're referring to? The pallet no. shelter. It says here where in the 919 meeting, you had stated that the city had verbal commitments for wraparound services, and that you were working on MOUs to clarify and formalize these commitments. That was for the pallet shelter. So this is in reference to the pallet shelter? Yes. Okay. So some of these groups provide, are receiving funding, funding such as Burt Nash, and we're on the timeline. We're due to have reports from them. Do you know when we expect to get those reports? They, I don't have their comp. Do you have any idea of the report date? Commissioner, are you talking about the reports that are required in the funding agreement? Mm -hmm. um, I think they are submitting those. Um, so uh, it's, it's just to staff, so we can provide those to the commission if you'd like. Okay. Yeah, I would like those. Um, I can't remember when you brought it up in your presentation, uh, Misty, but you, in regards to the outreach, and we were talking about moving outside walls, but you talked about Burt Nash had a walk-in in-reach model. Can you explain that to me? Yes. Um, currently, Burt Nash operates um, a few hours a day, I want to say two to three hours per day, where um, any individuals experience ho uh, homelessness or a housing crisis can come in and seek um, guidance from a case manager. And those are the homeless case managers that we, we have. And how do they get information to, how does individuals get information to go in to see them? How are they referred there? Yes. I think through all of our neighborhood, um, you know, when people just start calling around to different places looking for help, Catholic Charities, um, just wherever they, that door that they're going into, this is usually the place that they get referred to. And I'm speaking um, on what I was told to by Matthew Folk and the Homeless Outreach Team, that they get a, a large part of these um, individuals in housing crisis, even if some of them are not um, experiencing a mental illness. Okay. And then with the HMIS, and we're talking about the by name is built into the HMIS, and you had spoke about using GIS to identify where folks are. Are individuals using, is there a mechanism in the HMIS to track services? Yes. For each individual? Yes, there is. So folks who should be, so when an individual is their information is put into the HMIS, 
is that vulnerability is that vulnerability index put in there as well? It is. Yes, that's where it's housed. So at any point, someone who should be receiving wraparound services, that partner should be able to go in and see and see where that person, their pathway has been and identify gaps in their services. That's correct. It can identify any anybody that's participating in HMIS that's handing out a service should be listed under that individual. So if they're receiving a meal at Link and, and say Link was participating, that information could be there. Um, if they have a bed night where they're staying over at the shelter, that could be there. But if a homeless outreach team goes out and does um, just an engagement, that's also kept in there. So it's it's really just bringing everything together so we're not duplicating services and then adding that geographical information will definitely help us make sure that we, because there's a lot of mistrust and so we're not getting accurate names. We have a lot of um, street names and so that will help us make sure that we know who we're working with because we know where their camp is. Yeah. And so in your site you had about the need to have partners utilizing HMIS. How many partners do we have that are doing this work that aren't using the HMIS? I would have to check with the balance of state to, to see how many. I know that I can tell you that uh, the city of Lawrence did uh, just recently join to be a user. Okay. And so is it built? And I, look, I looked in the agreement, and I, I would have to go back again and look because it's not popping in my mind, but as far as those gaps with the HMIS and identifying services, so some like our partners, so whether it's a, a Burt Nash, whether it's a LCS, some of these others who will come on board, do you foresee creating some type of, I don't want to say metric, but maybe like a performance indicator as far as we can see if someone is not addressing gaps within the HMIS as far as wraparound services, how is that being, how that information gets pulled back and articulated to us? So if it, for say, if we have a contract with somebody who is using HMIS, we could request certain reporting be pulled and delivered to us as, as part of that contract. So we could see uh, all the interactions and all the services that are being offered. Okay. Any other questions? Any other questions? Oh, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, just uh, one kind of adjacent to Commissioner Sellers' question. Um, along the lines of HMIS, do you have a time scale of what it would need, what you, how long it would take to go ahead and get everybody on board so that we could, we could in a perfect scenario, have that one stop recording that would be distributive? I can tell you what I was told. Um, I asked for this GIS information uh, maybe two weeks ago to, to see if this was a, a possibility and was also checking with the city on seeing if it was something that we could implement and um, they found out that they had just learned that their system does offer GIS. So two weeks ago they were just starting to write um, training documents on how they can get all providers trained to use that. Okay. So hopefully pretty soon. Okay. I've got a couple questions. Um, the contract we have with Burt Nash 
Are those six positions, are they up and running full time like yes. they should be? Yes. Okay. They are now. Okay. The, um, the pallet, we talked about pallet housing. The area that's outside the pallet housing, um, will there be any camping allowed outside like we've seen at the New Beginnings Camp? No. And if it's on private property, how are we, we going to... We would try to work with the, that property owner to um, work with us to make sure that camping doesn't happen. Okay. Um, I think a, a big reason that that camping is happening now outside uh, the support side is because we're continuing to provide food and other supports and that that won't be happening at pallet shelter um, we hope to have one centralized feeding place and um, so there won't be a reason to hang around um, we would like to have a, a certain number of perimeter where individuals are lot not allowed to loiter even around that pallet shelter all right thank you thank you and I heard we were still putting together the operating policy procedures yes. for that. Yes. But we're getting there. Yes. We, we had another meeting with uh, Pinckney last night and kind of heard some more concerns and so updating, and but it's pretty much a final product. I just have one more question, and we talked a little bit about the resistance to sheltering housing services and, and the process that you're planning on following through with that. What if we get to a point to where somebody just does not want to be housed or follow the cert or get the services that we're offering at what point do we do ask them to do something different um i mean i guess i guess it, in my um experience we, we don't give up um we continue to try um, unfortunately, if they're not harming themselves or others and they're not um, in a place that's illegal, then there's not a whole lot we can do, but we would not give up. And in my, my experience, um, when this happens and we kind of do that aggressive outreach um, and trying to reach those individuals, they just kind of tend to go where we can no longer find them. And maybe that means a different city, unfortunately. Um, but if they are super resistant, then they will just disappear usually. Okay, thank you. Any other questions before we open it to public comment? Real quick follow-up on that. Did I hear you correctly with the Pallet Village that, you're, that we're not providing? The idea would be not to provide food there, but to send someone, some folks elsewhere? No, um, we would be providing food to residents only. Okay. So like right now, anybody out that comes up to um, our support site can receive food. Okay. And then, and that, I mean, this is leaning a little bit on Bert Nash, but so with the homeless outreach team, if their, their role is to connect folks to shelter and services, if services, are services inclusive to health services? Whether it's physical, mental, behavioral health, dental, all the things? Yes, I hope so, yes. Um, typically, when a case manager is walking through those needs, it's, it's just kind of a um, priority list of what that individual needs to get housed and stay housed. So if they have you know, physical illness that they need to address 
they need medications for something they're experiencing, that's a priority for a case manager. Okay, and since we don't have an interdisciplinary team yet, how is, how are we, how is that being navigated currently? I believe a lot of referrals right now are made to Heartland Health and they provide those services. Okay. Is that for all services, medical, dental, behavioral? I don't believe behavioral, but I could be wrong. So where are they referred to for behavioral services? Burt Nash. Okay. No other questions? We'll open it up to public comment now. Public comment on this item only. Hi, my name is Carrie Martinez. Um, I would like to say this. There is a reason why the homeless don't trust any of you. Because you guys have made promises time and time again for affordable housing, resources, and you never, ever come through. I work and I pay taxes in this town. I'm one of your constituents. I'm a voter. But I get no help. What you guys are proposing and the amount you are proposing is unfeasible, unrealistic, and it's a farce. How are you gonna help that many people with that little tiny bit of funding? That's not gonna last a quarter. Not when you consider upkeep, utilities, paying wages, paying more wages because you're gonna have to hire more people to facilitate this for safety. Feeding people. This is unrealistic. And I don't see how any of you in good conscience could even consider this without going back and looking at the dollar amounts it's going to take to facilitate this because it's unrealistic. I may not be the smartest human in this room, but I know how to balance my household income. And I know how to balance a checkbook and budget. And I know how long money stretches and how far it goes. And I'm telling you, unrealistic. Do better. You want us to have affordable housing? Make it happen. Not just by building more places. Start putting caps on how much these landlords can charge. Or maybe getting rid of the credit scores that we have to have. Because those are the speed bumps we're going through to get housing. That's the, those are the speed bumps I'm going through to get housing. I'm not a criminal. I abide by the law and I work my hind end off every day just so I can survive. I have to work two, I'm going to have to work two jobs just to survive. My child and his girlfriend each work two jobs to survive in this town because it's astronomically expensive to, to rent in this town. My stepdad, he's looking at being homeless because he can't afford it either and he works two jobs. It's not sustainable. You guys have got to do better. You make all these promises about affordable housing and you have done nothing. 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 We need help. LCS, they care about us and they need help too. And we need you to overlook this funding, figure out what would be a more reasonable amount and go from there. Because this cannot continue to go on. Not all of us that are homeless are criminals and we're not all harassing businesses. Some of us work, a majority of us work. The ones that work and abide by the rules and abide by the law, we're the rule, not the exception. We need your help. A lot of you, I voted a lot of, helped vote a lot of you in. Remember that, we're kind of your constituents. We're your people. So quit forgetting about us and quit passing us off to the next line. We need your help. So please, consider that the next time you decide on a proposal. Thank you, thank you ma'am. 
Other public comments on this item? Hey, what this young she's okay she's gonna sit down okay. hi <laughs> um, first I wanted to say thank you for everyone who works towards shelter and housing initiatives um, a past co-worker of mine Cheryl Sanders said we all work hard with the election coming up and with the change of board members for the Lawrence Community Shelter, I wanted to stress the importance of good leadership. Ma'am, are, are you talking about the, the board? No, I'm, I'm talking about shelter in general. I just, I wanted to make that point. This is really mixed and it's hard to pick one agenda item. Okay. May I please? Yeah, go ahead. Thank but you. Kind of try to keep it narrow to what we just talked about. Sure. Um, I worked with several social service agencies, and I've worked with hundreds of people experiencing homelessness, as well as people experiencing housing insecurity. The most common factor that I found talking with people experiencing homelessness is that they have experienced trauma. Um, from my leaders, I ask that we don't perpetuate the narrative of blaming people experiencing homelessness for trying to survive. I don't want to hear this narrative in words or actions. I don't want to see camping bans enforced. Um, police involvement can be traumatic for a lot of people for a lot of reasons, and I don't want to see leaders who are going to increase the amount of police enforcement at shelters, sanctioned or unsanctioned. Please continue to invest in outreach services to work with people experiencing homelessness. Um, congregate shelter does not work for a lot of people. Please do not crowd people together. It's dangerous. I understand a lot of resources are, need, are needed in order to provide safe shelter and that there are a lot of people experiencing homelessness in Lawrence. Lawrence needs to continue to provide safe, low barrier shelter in order to protect its vulnerable populations from experiencing more trauma. Um, I want to see more leaders that advocate for safe solutions and promote equity and ethics with their decisions. I want to see missions, policies, and procedures that reflect the assistance that's needed working with people who have experienced trauma. Um, I want to talk about the importance of creating trust between the government, the non-for-profits, and the corporations. I think there have been a lot of changes that have transpired that have caused distrust between these different sectors. Um, and it makes for poor efficiency. Um, I think that we could all work together solutions were made together and continued to be worked on together um, with transparency and honesty. Um, please work with your experts. Change is incremental and it's costly and it's slow. I see several entities taking an incredible amount of steps in the right directions. Uh, please don't hurt that progress that has been made. Um, please don't create services that are- Thank you. Thank you. Are we talking about, can I? I tell you, if you could, oh, she's been trying to get up here and talk. <laughs> come on up, ma'am. Yeah, come on up, come on up.
Hello. My name is Bobby. I became homeless by coming back home to Douglas County. I came back to settle where I was born and raised and where my family has been since the early 1900s. A tree crushed my RV. So overnight, I became homeless. It isn't anything I planned or I aspired to, to do in my life is to be homeless. I needed help, so I started looking for what resources were available to me. Reading the Lawrence City Commission Resolution 7344. Ma'am, we're gonna talk about that a little later on, the resolution. That's the one. Okay, can I speak about affordable housing? Yep, go right ahead. Um, Landlords are not required to accept Section H, Section 8, or vouchers. I am physically disabled, and because of that, I have extremely limited funds that I can use to house myself. I have been told by all of the five part partnering agencies that housing will take a minimum of six months to two years to secure because I am homeless. I cannot find any statistics listed for the city of Lawrence pertaining to the expenditures of the city ran new beginnings not including what the city is currently funding or has already been partnering with. And to ask LCS to do this with money from your special alcohol fund that has not been delivered yet. Ma'am, again, those are items we're gonna talk about later. Right now, we're just um, discussing the um, strategic plan. Thank you. Okay. I would like to know where this housing is. Okay. Where, where can I have it? Okay. Thank you. You'll, be, you'll get an opportunity to come up during those times and, and speak. Thank you. Other public comment on these items? Hi, my name is David Baston. Um, I just want to thank the city for the work that they are doing uh, to address these problems. And I know you don't get uh, any credit for what you're doing. And I know you're working very hard at trying to figure out these problems that the homeless have, along with tons of other stuff that's going on. And I, I just appreciate your, your time and, and uh, the money that you're putting into it. Uh, I mean, in all actuality, you, the city doesn't have to put in no money. I mean, 
So uh, what you are putting in, I, I really appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate uh, the programs that you're trying to get all linked together, and uh, I just want to thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, David. Other public comment on this item? Hello again. Hey. Um, <clears throat> so just so you know, if you wanted to ask about the inreach and the on-call stuff, I don't want to use my time for that, but I could answer all of those questions for you since that's what I do. Um, <clears throat> and I see this sort of recurring pattern of a lot of conversation happening between city manager's office, city commission, administrators, and the folks that are actually doing that work on the ground not so much included in those conversations to either clarify or point out problems. Um, <clears throat> you know, there was a point at which I was um, damn near in tears talking to the previous, the guy that had Kristen Egan's job before her and her afterwards as well, um, that it felt like I was being asked to uh, deprioritize my caseload to go out and get people into HMIS and effectively refer them back to myself. I mean, like, we're an outreach team that has, like, all of us have a caseload. All of us have a caseload. And if we're actually case managing these folks, like, yes, like, when we're doing walk-ins, we do HMIS entry. But there's not a larger apparatus, and I've been talking to my supervisors or talked to anybody who will listen, that there's a serious poverty in terms of, like, where do we escalate? Where do we, where do we if we see somebody that has need beyond what we can as our... 10-person team, I'm not even on the city team, I'm on a state grant, but our 10-person team, if they have need beyond what we can specifically provide, where do I elevate that? I mean, there's not an apparatus for it. You know, we have major service gaps in this community regarding what exists at all, like in terms of behavioral health. There are no systematic services for people with intellectual disabilities or on the autism spectrum um, that have behavioral health issues beyond what a CMHC can provide. None, nothing. There's not an active apparatus to help with folks that are elderly that are experiencing dementia. And when those things pop up, we're the ones that get the call and we have nowhere to refer them to. <clears throat> you know, we can go out and we can get the data, and we have been. There are 300 people on the, on the um, coordinated entry list at the moment. I, I think that's probably about two to 300 short of what there actually is out there, but that number keeps growing. Um, also, I'm maddened by how much of the decision-making ends up being complaint-driven. Like, are we being focused on trying to be strategic about addressing needs, or are we running around chasing around complaints? It makes it literally impossible to get anything productive done if we're, all we're doing is running around putting out fires. Um, I have a lot, lot, lot more than I can say, but I want to stick on those two points. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to say something about outreach. I worked, of course, Jill Dalker said, well, don't talk about what happened 20 years ago, but I worked as a peer provider for like 10 and a half years here. And we actually were very good at developing trust with people. Really good at it, I thought. But I never thought that the state of Kansas, and to some extent our mental health center, valued that. And the state would come along and say to us, well, the important people to, to focus on 
are the ones that are already getting services. And we want a peer movement for the people that are getting services, that are already involved in services, because they're the important people to serve. And of course, I myself and some of the other, we were pioneers. We did not agree. We felt like the people that were not connected to services were just as important to serve or more important given the circumstances. We went round and round the state about it. I will also say that we had lots of people of color come there. And I've counted up, and I maybe sent you an email. Since that place closed, 18 people that either lived there or came up there, they're all dead now. Nobody ever died there. But I looked at a lot of those, some of those people didn't make it to 40. Some of them made it to 50. They weren't all homeless when they died. And some of them made it, I could count one person out of those 18 people that had maybe a natural lifespan. And a lot of them were Native Americans, indigenous, lots of them. And I actually had, I, she may have misspoke. I may have misunderstood, but I had somebody from the level of Andy Brown tell me, from what I could understand her, she didn't think our indigenous were much interested in recovery. And if Project Acceptance knew what was good for us, we would tell them to go. And I've told this story before. There was this sweet man, John Lowe, who wouldn't hurt a fly. And it was referenced in the paper years ago. My understanding this man had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. He had a substance abuse problem. At the point I saw him, he looked malnutrished, absolutely confused, and incapable of taking care of himself. And because I felt like the state was threatening our money, I told this sweet man who was just looking for a safe place to lie down that he couldn't stay there. And the next thing I knew, this sweet man had laid down in an alley and was mistaken for a bag of trash. And then, when there was an article in the paper. Time. Thank you, ma'am. The psychiatrist you. said. Ma'am, your time's, your time's up. Nash. Well, there wasn't any place for people like John Ma'am, your time's up. Thank you. Any other public comment from the room audience? If not, we'll go to Zoom. Oh, we got somebody coming up. Nope, no. Mm -hmm. All right. Chris Flowers. Hi, this is Chris Flowers. Um, first, I heard during that presentation, I heard that the city wants to make homeless a brief one-time occurrence. I was just wondering, for how many people this past year that have been through the system, is that an accurate statement that when they experienced homelessness here, it was just a brief one-time occurrence? Um, then it kind of, I want to talk about the tracking also. Um, when it... I, I'm not quite sure I understood it all correctly, but it sounds like you want to track the homeless. And I just wondering like if you're if if you're tracking them and they they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, like let's say they're supposed to be going to get food at Link and they do something else, are they gonna lose um, access to any services because of this? Um, I don't know, tracking the homeless, that's just what I don't want people, I don't want Big Brother tracking me. Like, why should the homeless be subjected to it? I, I'm against 
tracking people in general. But if we are going to talk about tracking, um, also, are any of the providers that are providing services, like doing outreach, will any of them be tracked to make sure that the money we're spending on them, that they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing? Like, how do we know, oh, it's just the homeless not, you know, working with the outreach? I've heard, like, people bitching that some of the outreach might not be, you know, like some of the employees might not be doing their best. So I, I just wondering about that. Um, also, when I, when I heard the presentation, one of the words that stuck out with to me was um, the word contained was used, that we're going to contain the homeless is what it sounded like. And I, I do think that that's what this is all about. This isn't actually about doing what's best for the homeless. This is the city trying to put them all out in one place, out in the shelter where it's away from downtown. That's what this is about. It's about containing the homeless outside, like on the skirts of the city and away from downtown. And then we're going to act like, oh, we're doing what's best for the homeless. But come on, Mayor, you know what this is about. This is about what's best for downtown business owners. Um, oh, yeah, and when it comes to the Pallet Village, um, are there going to be any areas for visitors? Like, I mean, I can understand well, you don't want them coming in, but it's like you can't even loiter outside. So does that mean, I mean, prisoners at least have visiting hours. Does that mean people living in the Pallet Village, they're just not going to be able to have any kind of visitation at all over there? I, I, this... This does not seem like we're doing what's best for the homeless. Thank you, me, Chris. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Any other public comment on Zoom? If not, we'll bring it back to the commission. We don't have anything else on this item, so we're going to take a quick 10-minute break. Nope. Did you have I did have a question. <laughs> did you have something else? <laughs> I did. Oh, did. <laughs> Just real quick, um, in regards to, there were a couple of questions, comments that came up. This is from Misty. Um, questions that came up about tracking services or whatnot. So with the, in, whether it's HMIS with GIS, how do you share with us what that looks like? Um, it's not actually tracking an individual. It's, it's um, putting a location where we are meeting that individual. So it's basically an address. So a location where we can find that individual and identify them. It will not track them as they move throughout the city or anything like that. And uh, I would also ask regarding the, the Pallet Village itself, I, I believe I saw in earlier interpretations that there's a common area and there would be a place for people to go ahead and you know congregate and meet and things of that sort. Or there is if a they common had area. Visitors yes. or whatnot. Yes, yeah. there's a common area. Okay, okay. thank you. All right, we will take a 10 minute break and then we'll be back. Okay, we're back. And we will begin with the regular agenda items H. 
Item number one is consider adopting the joint city county resolution number 7509 pertaining to the appointment of the directors to the Lawrence Community Shelter Board of Directors. Good evening, uh, Mayor and Commissioners. Brandon McGuire, Assistant City Manager. Um, so the item, uh, the item before you is a joint resolution that, if adopted, would establish the basis for um, the city and county commissions to appoint members to the Lawrence Community Shelter Board of Directors. Um, the joint resolution follows an amendment to the bylaws of the Lawrence Community Shelter Board of Directors, which was adopted last Monday, October 9th. Um, the amended bylaws allow for the appointment of three directors by the city commission, two directors by the county commission, and the continuation of service by two um, currently serving board members. Um, those are uh, Charlie Bryan and Rebecca Gaston. Um, the, uh, the appointees will serve um, staggered terms of one, two, and three years respectively from the city. Um, the county's appointees uh, would serve staggered terms of one year and two years respectively. Um, and actually, I think I might have that. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Um, the continuing LCS board mem members will each serve three years. Um, and then following the staggered terms, uh, initial terms, um, directors will then go on to serve three-year terms going forward. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I'll give you a little bit of background um, and then uh, kind of talk about next steps. Um, so the city and county leadership met on October 26th um, to review proposals for how the two local governments could help LCS fulfill its mission, which really is very critical to um, our community and to uh, what we were just talking about. Excuse me just a minute. Could you go ahead and shut that door, please, because we're getting a lot of feedback. <laughs> Sorry, I'll restate that. Um, the city and county uh, and LCS leadership met on August uh, 26 to review proposals for how we can uh, better work together and help LCS fulfill its mission. Uh, the, the proposals included offers of assistance with facility support, administrative support, recruitment of a permanent executive director, increased public funding, and service on the board of directors uh, to provide stability. We also discussed um, the need for improved oversight of the local tax dollars that largely fund Lawrence Community Shelter's budget and how this could be accomplished uh, by enabling the city and county commissions to appoint directors. Of the, of the various proposals discussed, we agreed to focus on uh, the transition to a shared governance model first. Um, the amended bylaws and resolution before you this evening are a result of that work. Um, I, I do want to note uh, that the resolution and the bylaws does maintain LCS's independence as a nonprofit corporation. Um, this is not turning um, the Lawrence Community Shelter Board of Directors into a city advisory board or a city department. Um, we think that that is important going forward as um, we, we continue to provide those sheltering services, pursue grant funding, and for a number of other reasons. Um, so next steps. Uh, the, the commission will consider the joint resolution this evening. Um, if adopted, uh, the county will consider it tomorrow evening at their meeting. Um, and then uh, with adoption and uh, with the potential for appointments uh, by the city commission this evening and the county commission tomorrow evening, uh, the new board would be formed and would be able to begin <coughs> immediately. Um, 
So we anticipate that going forward, uh, the city will be able to work with Lawrence Community Shelter to um, provide the support needed to both stabilize and sustain LCS as we work together to address emergency sheltering needs that are identified in our community's plan to end chronic homelessness, a place for everyone. So with that, I will stand for questions. All right, thank you, Brandon. Any questions? If not, then we will open it up for public comment. Public comment on this item specifically, the resolution. Any public comment in the room, audience? Can you repeat the resolution? Resolution number 7509. I guess while other folks are collecting their thoughts, um, <clears throat> having seen a lot of administrative turnover at the shelter, um, who matters less to me than how? Um, you know, I have questions like, you know, as the city is going to be having more of a hand in shelter governance, are they going to support the staff's efforts to unionize? Um, I highly encourage that they do. Um, <clears throat> it took a good 10 years to build a culture at the shelter when we worked there to actually, when I worked there, to. to develop a relationship with the homeless community where they felt like they actually had any kind of a stake or were welcome at the shelter. You cannot build a culture like that without empowering and enfranchising the staff to have a stake in how the operation occurs. And if it is strictly a conversation between the city and the board, with no consultation of those of that staff, it's simply not going to happen, and it doesn't matter how many times you rearrange the deck chairs. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's less a matter of who and a matter of how. And we've talked about a progressive case management model of meeting people where they're at. The kinds of people who can meet folks where they're at. One, there's a particular type of person that can do that. Two, they have to be supported. So they have to know that their word has weight when they are attempting to meet people where they at and provide guidance. And if they do not have a stake in how decisions are made, their words are just words. It's a, uh, you know, iron gauntlet wrapped in velvet. You wanna actually have a staff that can build a relationship with this community of highly vulnerable people that are looking at a changing landscape of resources and so much political heatedness and just straight up ugliness going on around them, you have to wrap those folks up in support. Seriously wrap them up in support, not shut them out of the conversation. Thank you. Any other public comment on this specific item? Just making sure I have the right agenda item. This is regarding the appointment of the directors for the. This is the the resolution to to uh, we're going to look to adopt the resolution yes. pertaining to the appointments. We're not doing the appointments yet. Okay. Okay. Is there a separate agenda item? Yes. For the appointment? Yes, it'll be the third item. Great. Thank you. Any other public comment in the room? If not, we'll go to Zoom. Kristen Shook. Hello, this is Kristen Chuck. Uh, 
Um, I do believe it is important and imperative moving forward for shared governance models in the area of community needs and nonprofits um, in the homeless sector, in reentry sector, honestly, all across the board, because everybody that is working to help individuals we need to work with each other because there is no way that we are going to individually or within our own groups be able to make the impact that we need to have. Everybody needs to be at the table, especially if there are funds coming from certain spaces and allocations. I feel like it's very important for them to be at the table so they're able to be aware of what's going on and to be a part of the communication. Um, Within all of the work that we are doing in the nonprofit sector and within working with individuals, it's just very important to realize that community partners are needed and everybody should be at the table so that we can better learn and work together to provide the complete and total wraparound services. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers, and my first question would be, what are there any requirements for serving on this board? Because um, I was just wondering, when it comes to who's getting appointed as directors, um, is there preference for people who have backgrounds in actually serving the homeless? And also, is there any kind of... Will there be any preference for anyone who has actually or recently been homeless to be on on the on the board that's to serve the homeless? Because um, I, I I think there sh there should be some. Um, I just want to throw that out there and also do that when it comes to how people get appointed. Is this does does the city manager uh, nominate people or is it the mayor? And also, do the other commissioners, do they see who's been, uh, who's applied to be a director? Or is it just whoever the mayor has chosen and y'all don't get to see who, who else has wanted to be on the, the board of directors? Um, or is it just that the mayor does it, but Craig's just telling Lisa who to nominate? So I, I'm, but in all seriousness, I am curious if the other commissioners get to see who's applied to be on this board. Because I don't think this is something that we should, especially now that it's just being established, that you all should just be blindly um, approving whoever's been not who's been nominated unless you all have seen and gotten or and, and also do you get to interview the the people that are applying to be on this board because i i don't think this is something that y'all should just be blindly approving without at least asking some questions for the first time at least thank you any other public comment on zoom dean robinson Dean Robinson. Hi, my name is Dean Robinson. Um, I'm an LCS union worker advocating for an additional $500,000 to be given to LCS. Sir, On Dean? top of the proposed 100. Sir? Hello? 
Sir, we're yes. talking about just the resolution for the appointment of the board of directors, the Lawrence Community Shelter Board of Directors. The financing part is the the funding part is is the next item, okay? And you can speak to that okay. at that time, okay? Did you have anything else you wanted to say about that item, the the item we're talking about? Guess not. So any other any other anybody else on Zoom? No, Mayor. Bring it back to the commission for discussion. I would just say briefly that I appreciate the words that Mr. Flowers brought before us this afternoon, this evening. I'm sorry. I said I appreciate the words that Mr. Flowers brought to us this evening. I, I appreciate the work of um, the, the current board of directors and, and the city and the county on, on bringing this to us. I mean, it's a, as we all know, it's a pretty common model, Boat Nash, Health Board, Housing Authority, LMH, so forth, um, where we have a, you know, port, um, appointments to certain boards um, that we are major funding partners of. And so I think this is a, a good model for going forward, and I think it's a model that will help create stability um, for LCS for for, for a long time, both having the city and the county um, being part of, um, more directly part of the, the funding um, mechanism. And we'll talk about that at the next item, but um, appreciate the, the work of the bylaws committee bringing that forward. Any other thoughts? I would concur with what Commissioner Finkeldye said. Um, it gives a chance for a little bit more stability in that realm. You ready for the motion? Yep. Move that we adopt joint city county resolution number 7509 pertaining to the appointment of directors to the Lawrence Community Shelter Board of Directors. Second. I have a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? S is five to zero. Item two, consider authorizing the city manager to execute addendum number one to the 2023 Lawrence Community Shelter Funding Agreement in the amount of $150,000 and approve a corresponding amendment to the 2023 adopted budget for, for the use of general fund balance. Good evening again, Mayor and Commissioners. Brandon McGuire, Assistant City Manager. Um, uh, the item before you now is a um, addendum to the 2023 Lawrence Community Shelter Funding Agreement. Um, the funding or the funding addendum addendum provides $150,000 from general fund reserves um, and comes in addition to the 2023 base funding agreement of $296,000 in special alcohol funds. Um, the addendum also addresses uh, several other needs, um, including uh, the need to work on winter sheltering, um, the continuation of um, approximately 100 bed capacity at LCS, um, cooperation with the city for referrals to shelter and uh, with um, uh, city programs, um, and data entry to the HMIS, which populates the by name list. Um, the funding addendum, along with continued funding from Douglas County, is intended to sustain LCS through the end of 2023. Um, we uh, will also, in 2024, uh, the city commission adopted a budget with $2 million of general fund, um, plus uh, special alcohol funds, and then we also have um, ARPA funds as well set aside for pallet shelter village operations. Um, so what we're trying to do with this funding addendum is bridge the gap um, 
to get LCS through the end of year end of year 2023. Um, and while we're doing that, we'll work on the 2024 funding agreement, uh, which we anticipate tapping um, a large amount of that two million dollars in general fund uh, to to fund the 2024 agreement. Um, I will say uh, I was reviewing the um, written correspondence that was submitted um, and attached to the agenda and uh, noted some concerns that $150,000 is insufficient. Um, I just wanted to address that really quickly on the front end. Um, I do know that uh, Douglas County still has an additional $74,000 for their fourth quarter payment of their agreement. Um, and then I, I just want to say that um, as we it, uh, with the action that you just took um, and potential for um, additional action tonight, including this funding agreement and appointments, as we're able to work with LCS more closely um, and understand if $150,000 is not enough, um, we're happy to work with them to understand what that need is to get them through the end of the year. That's what we're committed to, um, is getting them through the end of the year so that, that then the 2024 funding can um, take effect and go into place. So I'd be happy to come back um, with a future addendum if needed, um, once we have a better understanding of what the financial need is from now until the end of 2023 for LCS. So um, with that, uh, the funding agreement is pretty brief, concise. Um, I think it's pretty easy to understand, um, and I'd be happy to respond to any questions. Thank you. Any questions for Brandon? <clears throat> Brandon, just just to be clear, so the assuming the county approves and we have a new board and they get to work and they come and request more money to provide more services, um, that could come to us even before the end of the year. Correct. Yeah, we'd bring that to the city commission. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Any other questions for Brandon? <coughs> Not. I'm going to open it to public comment. Any questions? I do. I'm going to wait. <laughs> Good evening, City Commissioners. My name is Lacey Rowe, and I'm the Director of Community Engagement for the Lawrence Community Shelter. Grounded in human rights, our mission is to advance compassionate solutions for people facing homelessness through advocacy, shelter, and housing. We are a mission-driven, independent nonprofit that has, over the past couple years, worked to make our shelter more trauma-informed and bring ourselves in line with evidence-based best practices for homeless shelters. In March 2022 and July 2022, we stood here and defined what that meant. In March 2023, we compromised with a hybrid shelter model in order to fulfill the need for more overnight shelter crisis services. We are the only full-time year-round shelter in Douglas County. In the first half of 2023, LCS provided 56% of all by-name data for Douglas County, more than all other agencies combined. We have always worked to be a good community partner, and we attend all local and regional partner meetings. All that we ask for is communication, support, and that, that you believe us when we tell you the challenges that we face as service providers. We stated last year that risks with overcrowding include a higher spread of disease, higher incidence of conflict, and negative effects on mental health due to lack of privacy. Many unhoused folks have been exposed to high levels of traumatic stress, and overcrowding worsens conditions for people with high needs. Meeting support needs means increasing staff and having highly qualified trained staff. Poor staffing at the city's own support site has led to serious safety issues and tragedies, including preventable violence and death. These outcomes are 
terrifying, and no one wishes for this. Our own shelter has experienced an increase in elderly folks seeking shelter, sometimes even those with terminal illnesses. Safety and being able to meet as many needs as possible is the highest priority for our staff, and I have the greatest respect for my coworkers. We know that we cannot simply cram human beings into an uncomfortable warehouse and expect people to, quote, behave and not be upset. If people don't want to be at the shelter because it feels overcrowded and unsafe, then are you going to say that their only other choice is jail? Both the city and county recently passed a compensation policy for people with lived experience, demonstrating that you value their expertise and want to remove barriers to participation in civic engagement. How will your actions reflect this? Will you appoint people who have conflicts of interest with our mission, or will you appoint people to our board that have lived experience in homelessness and housing instability? And are you really going to fire the only person in our leadership that has both lived experience and the highest level of professional qualification? and the work that we do. That's all I have. Thank you. Any other public comment? Good evening. My name is Jacob Schmill. I'm one of the unionized direct service advocates at the Lawrence Community Shelter. The city has issued an extensive list of demands toward the staff of LCS while explicitly reinforcing the divide between the city and the shelter, implying that we at LCS are not guaranteed anywhere near the funding or support that city-run and city-attached programs routinely enjoy, while, be while being compelled to shoulder the city's increased burden. With the closure of the winter emergency shelter and the support sites, LCS, aside from a small number of pallet shelters, will be the core infrastructure in emergency sheltering for the city of Lawrence. We are being demanded to increase our services by effectively four times what they are now for a mere $150,000. While barely half a year ago, in March 2023, we already doubled our services from 155,000, 155,000 that we have yet to receive. You are giving us less to do considerably more. There are no considerations for the increase of staffing that would be required to ensure safety and security for both staff and guests, no considerations for the measures that would be needed to maintain staff retention, and no consideration for the increases in supplies that would be needed to continue shelter operations. Everyday items such as blankets and toilet paper, soap and silverware, the materials that would be needed, the material cost to make 100 meals three times a day for over 100 people. All of it would be needed in far greater quantities. No considerations for how we would successfully install and operate an additional 45 pallet shelters on the property, nor any considerations for maintaining a self-shelter environment for over 100 residents on property at all times. I want to make it clear that my coworkers and I at LCS, we want to make these changes. We want to meet these demands. We want to shelter 100 or 140 or however many people. We want to provide these people with three full meals a day. We want to get them out of the blistering heat and the freezing cold. That's why we're here. That's our job. No matter how many years we've been driven through the mud, no matter how many years we've been given the short stick, we are always here. And every time the city has an issue with homelessness, where they have a crisis of homelessness, they come to us. They have us double or triple, or in this case, quadruple our capacity in the services that we provide because they know that we are good at our job. We get people off the streets. We get people out of prison. We get people into housing. With the proper support and funding, LCS could become a focal point for homeless outreach in Lawrence and make a definitive impact in our community. We are ready and willing to meet these demands and make these changes. We simply ask that the city be prepared to offer the support that is needed to actually help the people of our community who need it most over the handshake deals and empty promises that have been offered in the past. Thank you. Uh, 
Mayor and Commissioners, my name is Bella Kurtz. I have lived experience with homelessness, nine years of experience in the IDD field, and I am currently the only in-reach case manager at Lawrence Community Shelter. We are the only low barrier shelter in Douglas County and the region. Despite the information provided current earlier, I currently case manage 30 continuous stay guests, hopefully 37 plus if, if or when the repairs to the Monarch units are completed. My counterpart, the mid-reach case manager, Savannah Fergus, case manages all night-by-night -night guests who want services. On top of my regular duties, I also meet with night-by-night -night guests as needed, help manage staff, assist in database management, facility cleaning, new hire interviews, and meal prep if needed. This is not out of the ordinary at LCS due to lack of necessary funding. Many LCS employees double duty to cover unfilled vacancies. As of September 2023, LCS has served 460 unique individuals. LCS has contributed 56% of the nameless data. This is compared to Burt Nash at 21%, Kansas Statewide Homeless Coalition at 20, 21%, and Family Promise with 2%. LCS has also provided 51% of the VI SPADATS data for CES and HMIS. The next largest contributor is Burt Nash at 26%. These proposed changes would increase our current numbers, provide a day service program, and three meals a day. The promised funding to do this, however, would not cover our current payroll for more than three months. In order to safely make these changes, we would need not only to fill the current management vacancies, but increase, staff, increase staffing. On top of these proposed changes, the city and the county and the shelter have been moving towards a shared governance model over the last several weeks. We are told the city wants to do what's best for us and our guests, but in that time we have had many bad faith interactions, such as city staff entering private property to measure and chalk out spaces for pallet shelters without notice, as well as several other organizations and guests reaching out to ask us questions about proposed changes the city staff have claimed were taking place within the LCS service uh, programs. As the city moves forward in good faith with the joint governance, there needs to be more transparency and communication from the city. Discussing your plans and goals with the agency you want to carry them out would be beneficial to all sides. LCS could be, more, could be the agency to oversee all of the emergency shelter services in a way that shows our dedication, service, and passion for any program. You just have to take the time to work with us and listen so we can all be successful in our joint mission. Thank you. Other public comment on this item from the room? Good evening. My name is Jamie Price. Uh, I am a long-term community member of uh, Lawrence, been here 34 years, and a past shelter uh, board of director. Um, in terms of the $150,000 uh, proposal, thank you. That's great, um, but there's an outstanding debt that hasn't been paid yet regarding the increase of shelter services going back to March of 2023. $150,000 won't cover that debt, nor will it cover the increased uh, proposal in the funding agreement. Funding agreement's asking for day services, which is undefined. What does that mean? It's asking for three meals a day, and as you've heard, there's not even enough to pay the payroll. City staff seem surprised by that, but yet they attend the board meeting every month. 
and they, they have access to the finances. And I appreciate that it was stated this evening that there's some county funds coming, but those are also in the projections, as noted in the projections, that the city has access to. So I think in order to keep folks safe, at the shelter, both the staff and the members that are going to be living there, we need to make sure that we don't have an evergreen agreement for $150,000 that says we'll, they'll continue to provide that level of service even without funding, which was in the agreement, that the agreement covers all of the services that they're asking for, and that those services are well defined, and that they are adequately staffed with trained staff so that we can keep both the shelter guests safe as well as the employees that work at the shelter. Thank you for your time this evening. Thank you. Good, good evening, everyone. I am Diane Carter, and I was born and raised in Fort Scott, Kansas, a small rural town. I came to Lawrence, Kansas in 1980 and studied at the University of Kansas in the nursing department. Lawrence, in my opinion, is the most beautiful and safest city to live in Kansas. Also, our public transportation is remarkable for all residents. Infrastructure is moving forward to keep up the standards of the growing economy. Moving forward regarding our homeless concerns is with more funding, we can address all lives matter. A comment of Mr. Flowers that said something about uh, Lawrence Community Shelter and the people living there. I live at the community shelter and we really enjoy living out on the outskirts of town. It gives us a chance of a peace of mind. We relax, we're away from the, you know, the public, you know, the noise, the buses and things, the busyness, and then we do have a safe and sober, clean place to live. We come together as family. We have a quality of life and hope that our problems will get solved and we can have our own place again. Lawrence Community Shelter has been, um, and Douglas County, has um, really been a help to me. I lost a really good job and um, I experienced some emotional distress. But however, um, there are so many resources here. And at Lawrence Community Shelter, we come together and then we can pass on resources, employment, things that moving forward with the strategic plan that we've always talked about that we're encouraging um, is that um, we would like, um, I think that um, with the new um, members there for the board of directors, we could talk about as far as getting employment counselors at the center, um, as far as, like she said, with meals. Um, we have a high number of men that are there, and as we know, men are hungry. <laughs> and so at the night by night, and they're not getting fed at night, and a lot of um, the men need help as far as, um, you know, with meals. And um, also, um, I looked at um, things that the strategic plan needs to address is that I thought only maybe 10, but there is quite a few categories of individuals experiencing homelessness. And with this strategic plan and the funding as we get it, there are young men and women. Um, we have um, lots more people coming from out of state 
now at our shelter, Texas, California. I'm meeting people every day. Um, single, divorced, widowed men and women. We have senior citizens, veterans, domestic violence victims, disabled individuals, the LBGTQ, the genders, mental illness, addictions, just released from incarceration, institution. Time. Thank you, Diane. Yes, Thank, so, you. Um, Thank you. We do need... Yeah. Um, Thank, your time's up. Yeah. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, could I just say one thing? <laughs> Our essential thing is is that we have got to get and help with Bert, Bert Nash, help them Thank you. to get more case managers. Okay. Our, we need to get... Thank you, Diane. Homeless. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Their yep. identity. Yeah. So they can move forward to get okay. a job. Next. Next. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good job. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Um, I'm Melanie Valdez, the Interim Executive Director at Lawrence Community Shelter. And as we work together to um, offer improved, increased, and successful shelter services, it is crucial that any expectations placed upon our organization be clearly defined and that we have adequate resources to accomplish those expectations. Um, this transparency is not just for our benefit, but also for the benefit of the community we serve and the entities that we collaborate with. The expectations in the current addendum are not clearly defined and the resources to perform these tasks are not apparent. Um, and some of the expectations are already um, defined in the current or agreement that we have and are being met and reported on. Um, Clear and well-defined expectations serve as a roadmap um, guiding our efforts and the decision-making processes. When we understand precisely what is expected of us, we can better allocate resources, um, develop sustainable strategies, and provide the best possible services to those in need. Additionally, well-defined expectations help prevent any misunderstandings um, and ensure that all stakeholders, including our community, the board members, and the staff are all on the same page. Clarity and expectations fosters an environment of tr trust, cooperation, and accountability, which are essential to the success of our agency and the well-being of the people that we serve. We are open and willing to collaborate, and we are committed to meeting the expectations set before us. However, we request that these expectations are clear. This enables us to work more effectively and efficiently, ultimately leading to better outcomes for our community, um, and do, I thank you for your time and consideration on this, and we do look forward um, to working together as we create a more successful uh, shelter services within our community. Thank you. Other public comment on this item? Good evening. Um, my name is Andy Johnson. I am currently the Director of Human Resources at the Lawrence Community Shelter. I come before you tonight to address a matter of immense importance, which is the unwarranted challenges that have been faced by our Interim Executive Director, Melanie Valdez. Melanie is not just a colleague of mine. She is a dedicated, compassionate leader who has made extraordinary personal sacrifices in her tireless efforts to steer the Lawrence Community Shelter towards becoming a stable and vibrant organization. Melanie embodies humility, selflessness, and an unwavering commitment to the welfare of our community's most vulnerable residents. 
Melanie has displayed exceptional leadership qualities, working diligently to improve the lives of those experiencing homelessness in our city. She deserves our respect, our admiration, and most importantly, the unwavering support of our city and county representatives. However, it is with great concern that I must raise the issue of Melanie's abuse by city and county administrators over the past year. No leader of a private nonprofit should endure the kind of bullying and slander that Melanie has experienced at the hands of our government representatives. It is not only unjust, but it is counterproductive to the mission of providing essential services to those in need. But beyond the issues of Melanie's mistreatment, I want to draw your attention to the critical funding needs of the Lawrence Community Shelter. In March, the city of Lawrence promised to provide funding for the increased overnight services, which we've been providing ever since. Unfortunately, the current proposal on the agenda tonight does not provide adequate funding to meet the demands which the city has already placed on LCS. The $150,000 proposed is regrettably insufficient to support the additional services as required by the city. LCS is currently operating at maximum safe capacity with our existing st staff and space. And I cannot emphasize enough that we would absolutely love to expand our shelter services to the level that the city is asking. But as a private entity, we must be allowed autonomy to continue providing safe, quality programs that align with our mission, as well as follow the best practices of our professional field and system of care. The shelter has been doing its utmost to meet the increased demands, but without a reasonable and sustainable increase in funding, we risk diminishing the eff efficacy and safety of shelter services. Lawrence Community Shelter deserves the funding necessary to continue operating at its current capacity and to meet the expectations as set by the city back in March. So in Time. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Other public comment on this item from the room? Yep, come on up. Hello again, my name is Bobby. I have not been able to find any statistics of what the city of Lawrence has been spending and running their New Beginnings program. I am at the LCS shelter right now. I do feel safe there. I would never feel safe having so many more people come in as little staff that we have now. Being homeless is a very traumatic thing. And when you move more people in, you're going to have more trauma also. <coughs> yes, I understand having one place is a very good idea. But in understanding this, having one place to be beaten, abused, victimized, raped, and even death is easier 
but is it fair to the homeless? We have nearly had all of our inalienable rights taken away from us. The city of Lawrence has made a promise to all the people who live here, all the people on Lawrence live in a safe, functional, and aesthetically unique neighborhoods that provide opportunities to lead healthy lifestyles with access to safe and affordable housing and essential services to help them thrive. I just want to survive. Thank you. Bobby. Any other public comments from the audience? We've got a couple more. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, my name is Maisie. I'm a DSA at the community shelter. I've been there three years in the past. I was the kitchen manager. Um, and now I'm back as a DSA. Sorry, my nerves are very bad. <laughs> You're fine. Take time. your time. You're fine. Um, Excuse me, sir. Sir, in the front row, could you please be quiet so we can hear? Thank you. Go ahead. Time is very limited. We are in mid-October with winter temps heading our way quickly, and there is still a debt. We aren't overwhelmed by what we do, but it's how we've had to do it turning people away, telling countless people we don't have food prepared, no towels, no shoes, no accessible bedding, basics. And I think those basics are a little overlooked, unless you've been in our shoes or you've been without those things. There's nothing I would love to do more than to provide meals every day for every person. I've worked in several kitchens and these people are by far my most favorite to serve and the most grateful and polite. They even want to help me clean up, and I say, <laughs> I say no. <laughs> um, and even with how much I love my job, I wish there was no need for it. I wish there was no need for the shelter. On most evenings, it can be myself and three other women or men handling all of the intakes that come in that night, and in the entire building, managing everything. That's 70 people coming in off the streets that have been trekking all day, or working, or going without food, restrooms, or any family. The current grant, while appreciated, is an insufficient me measure of the support needed for the task and could potentially lead to unsafe environments and cause harm. And where you fall short financially, myself and other citizens of Lawrence are making up for however we can. Few volunteer alongside us, and to some, it's even seen as a punishment or a photo op. Those who donate, your supplies are much needed and appreciated by our residents and staff. I work with some of the smartest and toughest people. We have worked for so long with so little. With proper funding, we could truly transform our spaces and impact the community as a whole in ways I don't think um, everybody realizes. But that's down the road. Right now, we need to prepare for the cold temperatures. It'll be winter here before we know it, and the clock is ticking. I am urging you to reconsider elements of your grant and suggest communicating with our team, our board, and our director more frequently. Visit the property yourself. Volunteer. Speak with us. We are smart workers representing good and very valuable people. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Other public comment? <laughs> Any other? If not, we'll... In Hello again. <laughs> um, one thing I'd like to point out, um, kneecapping, scapegoating, and treating the current ED as an obstruction when they are desperately trying to vocalize that their needs are not getting met, that's not change. That's Honestly, that's how the shelter's been operated for the last decade, over and over and over again. That's one. Um, I've seen Melanie be extremely dedicated. She's built a staff in the midst of incomprehensible political turmoil, and I just want to vocalize that she deserves every amount of respect and support that Andy was mentioning. Um, my second point is related to my first two, which is that I see very little consulting with the staff, and you've been hearing them. They are informed, they have clear points to make, and the fact that you're only hearing from them just now is not because they don't want to talk to you. It's because nobody's been reaching out to them. Thank you. Thank you. Other public comment? You go. Hi, my name is Mark Keplinger, and uh, uh, I'd like to introduce Jean. She is one of the people who does work there, and she does a fantastic job. There's another young lady named Keely who works there, and sometimes they work there alone. And as far as I know, they do a fantastic job, and they're phenomenal. So sometimes that can be a thing where if you have too many people, I think one person can do it, but two is a good time. And uh, more than that, I don't really know. As far as any other comments I have, I'll try to keep it brief. And if I go too fast, go to YouTube and just go to the three lines and go cut back to 0.75 speed. Uh, <laughs> one thing I'd like to talk about is disability, because I'm the only person there who's on Medicaid and disability. And as far as I know, I'm doing OK. I've been living there for eight months, and I can say I'm surviving and doing well, and you can see me. So I think whatever it is, what has been spent has, has been adequate, but I think that you might want to worry about what might happen or what we might be liable for. And I really say that because I love Lawrence and I don't know who I might be coming. Um, I don't know if you can cut it off for anybody or any time, but I'd like to say that I was the first person ever there to sign the contract with you guys. And I've obeyed the rules of the contract. And I do know that there seems to be a thing where if you're on the contract, I don't know why the people that aren't on the contract are getting the food or whatever services, although I don't think that they should be necessarily kicked out of the places that are. But I do think that the people that are getting it are generally treated fair. I personally, as Mark Kevin, you want to talk about me, and I think that's important. So uh, I'd like to have electricity if other people do, and considering that I consider narcolepsy a thing you don't have in the winter, uh, I'd like to at least be uh, selfish and get some in my tent. So maybe you could make that a comment. And other than that, I'm living right next to someone who does, and that wouldn't be hard. And we just want to make sure that we get it if we need it. We have a bathroom there that is two now and one handicapped. And they're all closed except for the handicapped. And I'm all for that, but I'm the only one. And I don't have a key. But more than that, I think this should all be open because running around is kind of a weird way to get clean. And that's something that would be very important for the health of the camp. And more than that, I think that uh, I thank you very much for letting this be an opportunity that I've had. I don't know if you hear that, okay? For real, each one of you. The free food is outstanding when it comes. And for me to say I need more in any way or cut it back from someone else seems weird. But uh, whatever it is, it seems like an established care is something people get used to. And whether interactive nuisance or over the top, I don't know. But I hope that people come together and go that we don't have to treat everyone fair. Some people with disabilities can self-identify. We might want to assume people do. But after Texas Law School, I realized that some people can be uh, jerks about it and try to say I'm daggy, and I'm not that guy. So any comments you want to have for me, I take. Any questions you take, any time, I'll be here to the end, I hope. And thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Public comment? Can, come on up. Thank you. Hello. 
My name is Brianna Helms, and I'm a direct support advocate for the Lawrence Community Shelter. We are the front line and experience multiple perspectives of homelessness firsthand. We are the experts in what's needed by experiencing it firsthand in the most vulnerable state. I take pride in helping the people we serve. I help those who need motivation to keep going, to reach the goals that so many obstacles prevent them from. As a DSA, it's my job to help fulfill our mission at the Lawrence Community Shelter. Our mission is to advance compassionate solutions for those facing homelessness through advocacy, shelter, and housing. To help fulfill this mission, with the many changes coming forward with LCS, we really need your help to make our vision be a reality by hearing our concerns for safety. With the lack of resources and funding, this will not be possible. That being said, with the projected statistics, with increased capacity, we will not be able to adequ adequately fit our proper needs for success. <laughs> we need to provide the homeless with a safe, comfortable environment to maintain their well-being for success in the future. By putting so many bodies in such an overcrowded area, it will create multiple issues that will ultimately cause the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. Not only will the guests be affected, but the staff will as well. Our staff can only do so much within our ability. That being said, this creates a drastically higher safety concern for all involved. The staff at LCS are committed to our mission. We're willing to work with all possible changes. However, we just want to ensure safety for our guests, staff, and community as a whole. Collectively, um, sorry, excuse me. We would greatly appreciate for you to hear our concerns, meet our demands, and take action as soon as possible so we can help our community grow and be successful. In conclusion, I urge the City Commission to fulfill its commitment to the Lawrence Community Shelter. We provide the support and funding necessary for the shelter to meet its obligations and continue to provide essential services to the homeless population. We must also reflect on how we treat our dedicated leaders that have worked so hard, like Melanie, tirelessly every single day. She's amazing. Let us remember that we have the power to make a positive change in this community. And in doing so, we not only honor our promises, but also the principles of compassion and justice. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Any more public comment from the room? If not, we'll go to Zoom. Chris Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers. Um, my first question was, um, why can't we just give the shelter money without all the requirements? Um, that, I, this, I, this honestly, it seems border. I, it seems predatory to me, like a payday loan, basically. The shelter's desperate for money, so y'all are trying to make all these ridiculous requirements. And, and oh, and also that Pallet Village thing. You, you can't find anyone willing to take on the Pallet Village on your terms. So you found someone desperate for money, and now you're trying to force the, uh, the Pallet Village onto them. So I just want to point that out, that you could be giving them money without all these requirements. And when it comes to these requirements, um, my question is, how much does the city think all this is going to cost? Um, I think they said, well, I, I believe, maybe I misunderstood, uh, maybe I didn't hear it right, but that the city will consider funding as stuff comes up. So if the city has thought about 
providing more funding in the future? How much does the city think this is all going to cost? How much does the city think that the shelter is going to come to them saying, hey, we need such and such money for all these meals, or we need such and such money for all these staff we have to hire? Um, so I want to throw that out there. Um, I, and also, if we do have requirements, I think it should only last as how long we expect the 150000 to last, because that's all we're giving them. You know, we shouldn't be giving them 150000 and then have requirements that last years into the future. Um, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, and how does the county feel about this? Um, you're, you're, you could potentially be causing the shelter to take on more requirements that causes them to fail. Yet yeah, it's also counties also involved in this. So are they okay with you giving them a one-time $150,000 um, gift or whatever, and then the services go down the shitter, and it turns into like North Lawrence camp. That's a shit show. So you could potentially be turning this into a shit show. So how does the county feel about this? And also, I, talking about Melanie, I, I, I appreciate her, and I respect her. And I think she's done a good job. And I think if you're going to be getting in, rid of anyone, you need to start with the city manager because this is a ridiculous idea, and it's not thought out. And if you do get rid of and, and you go through with all this, just remember when, the new, when this fails in the future, that new board director or whatever, it'll be on you because you set up the board and you, you, you're doing all this. So when it fails, this is all on you now. Thank you. Sherilyn Wells. I hope that you can figure out how to adequately fund the shelter. I think they're doing a good job. I think that they have, our low barrier shelter has prevented people from dying. That's why it was started. I think Melanie has done a good job, shown tremendous dedication. As other people have said, took it over in kind of a period of crisis. You had them downsized because supposedly people were not being adequately safe and protected and whatever it was, but now you're wanting them to increase their capacity without considering the fact that people need to be kept safe, the staff needs to be kept safe. I mean, they're not running the treatment and recovery center on like this tiny little budget. In my experience, the people staying at the shelter, many of them are sort of at the level or maybe just below the people that go to the treatment and recovery center. I mean, I've seen the kind of people that stay there or live there. I mean, I see the kind of people that come to dare. I mean, I just don't think you quite realize the task that you're asking them to do, take in people with substance abuse problems, severe mental illness. I've, I don't want to stigmatize anybody with mental illness, but I have dealt with people that find it very hard to be around in a crowded situation and will verbalize and verbalize and verbalize and go on in a way in the middle of the night, nobody can sleep because someone is extremely agitated. There is no place for them to go. And if someone becomes very upset, 
then nobody can sleep. I don't think you quite understand what you are talking about or trying to demand of them. I think the shelter over the many years has done a fabulous job, and I wish that you would properly support it. It is one of the most vital services and one of the most hardest jobs to run a low barrier shelter that there is. I'm sorry for speaking three times, but this is something that is very close to my heart. I want people to be taken care of properly. Thank you, and thank you for your attention. Thank you. Lawrence accountability. I want to start by saying that nobody should ever have to apologize for speaking three times at a city commission meeting with such important issues on there. And you guys need to understand who you have heard from tonight. You've heard from a KU graduate. You've heard from a Texas graduate. You've heard from the shelter director. You've heard from the human resources director at the shelter. You've heard from Sherilyn Wells, who has lived experience in the industry. All of those people spoke with passion to you tonight about subjects that they know a tremendous amount about. I want to juxtapose that with the city people that you had speaking to. Brandon McGuire, at the beginning of his presentation, quoted, the shelter is servicing 20 people. And then later on, when it needed to be a bigger number to help his presentation, it became the shelter serviced 100 people. That's going to be a highlight on Lawrence Accountability tomorrow because that's an example of the manipulation of the details that goes on in that room and behind the closed doors. You couldn't get anybody to run pallet and you're gonna shove this down LCS's throat to take care of a PR problem, which is exactly the same thing that happened when Ashley Sawyer died. You trespassed reporters out of that camp illegally and you knew it to control a PR problem. You can choose to listen to the experts and the people that are passionate about this work, or you can choose to listen to city staff who have other motives behind this. Your business community doesn't run this. And some of those business people in there need to pay their property taxes before they come in and start talking crap about people that they're beating up, because that is factual. You had people speaking before you that haven't ever paid property taxes. Good night. Ben Rhodes. Um, uh, sorry. Hi. My name is Ben Rhodes. I am a current unionized DSA at um, the Lawrence Community Shelter. Um, I just wanted to offer a perspective you may not have considered. I don't know what the city of Lawrence's intentions are with these bylaws, but it feels to me that they have not been created with the safety of LCS guests and staff in mind, but rather the convenience of the city. These services you are asking of us are ones we'd be happy to provide. However, I want to ask where you think the money will come from to provide them in a manner that keeps LCS a safe environment. 
For example, three meals a day for 100 plus people, we do not have adequate kitchen staff for this, um, let alone the food and materials to be able to sustain that. I want to ask the city commission what your plan is for this and who will be held accountable um, when and if we are unable to meet that goal. Um, as much as I would love to be able to provide that for the people we serve. Um, as of today, the $296,000 the city of Lawrence has given the shelter is 0.06% of the city's total budget of near $500 million. With the proposed $150,000 added on, altogether $446,000 is 0.1% of the city's total budget. I just wanted to um, point those numbers out for anyone who's curious. You're here because like mine, your job is to serve your community. I understand there may be some bureaucratic reasons for these bylaws, but I ask you all to have more compassion and competence in serving your most vulnerable populations going forward. Thank you. Dean Robinson. Hi, um, I am an LCS union worker advocating for an additional $500,000 to be given to LCS on top of the proposed $150,000. The original amount of money the city proposed in exchange for greater control over LCS operations is nowhere close to the operating budget required to meet the city's demands. On top of this, I'm advocating against the city's continued displacement of homeless people done at the behest of wealthy individuals and business owners. What the city is doing is an apparent attack on the working class. Many homeless people work the undesirable jobs required for a functioning society, yet are treat, uh, treated like animals by the city in a continuing dehumanization process. I strongly urge the city commission to change course and make Lawrence livable for everyone. Thank you. Any other public comment on Zoom? That's all the comments, ma'am. All right, bring it back to the commission for discussion on this item. Mayor, I got a couple questions. Sure. And um, anybody can answer these, because I don't know if there's a specific, pers specific person in mind who could answer it. Um, as far as the new addendum, what is the effective date on it? So if this is passed tonight, when's the effective date? Sorry, I could not hear the... What's the effective date on this, if we pass this tonight? It will be when the city manager signs it, so uh, as early as tomorrow. And so everything that's listed in... Can we have quiet in the audience, please? So everything that's listed in section four of the grantees covenant would be... Was there a... We're, yeah, I, I get the question, and I think yeah. there's an assumption that as soon as the ink's dry on the contract, the expectation is that it all is immediately in place. That's not really our expectation. That's not reasonable. Um, so, I, I mean, we'll, we'll work with them, um, be patient, and like I said, if there's additional funding needs, it'd be great to understand what those are so that we can bring back recommendation to the commission, but we're not gonna withhold funding. I mean, LCS, is out of money right now, um, as far as I'm aware. I don't, I, I don't have access to their uh, financial data um, other than what I've seen through board reports. But as far as I know, they're completely out of funding. So we're just trying to keep them open. Um, and this is an agreement to try to bridge the gap, the funding gap through the year. 
or through the end of this year, which is December 31st, 2023. Okay. I see that we have the current board chair for LCS here, and I know that Melanie's here as well. Um, and I know you guys have had an opportunity to take a look at this, so I don't know if it's Misty, Melanie, or Charlie, whoever wants to um, take this question, but looking, having taken a look at this addendum, do you have any high-level idea as far as FTEs, dollar amount, what's the sticker price on this? Uh, Charlie Bryan, uh, board president for LCS. <clears throat> I can't answer your question directly, uh, Commissioner Sellers, um, but I think uh, what Brandon's speaking about is the need for us to have further conversation to get clear on what the funding needs would be in order to accomplish the goals outlined in the addendum. <clears throat> I think that we're ready and eager to do that uh, and bring back more information so that you guys could consider um, additional support. Mm -hmm. Okay. Melody, was there anything you wanted to add? Um, I will just say the same thing, and that is part of what I was speaking to is about the expectations not being clear. Um, several times tonight, uh, it was mentioned that the expectation is for us to offer, offer or operate winter shelter. Um, winter shelter, that, that word is not in that addendum. It just says that we will agree to operate other um, shelter operations. I don't know what that means or what that looks like. I can't put numbers to something that I don't understand the expectations. Um, and providing three meals a day, uh, also that's something um, that would be easier to put some numbers to, but we would need obviously more supports. And the other um, unclear part is that we'd provide day services, and I don't know what day services entails, if that includes additional case management, is it just letting people in the building out of the environment? Um, I, I don't understand what those expectations are. Okay, thank you. So uh, to that point under section four, subsection D, because there's mention of grantee will when outside temperatures are 40 degrees Fahrenheit or below, increase shelter capacity in accordance with its special use permit as amended and will not during such inclement, inclement weather discharge any guests experiencing houselessness. Is it, is, is this something that's supposed to be up to the board to discuss if there is amb ambiguity in the language of whether or not LCS is going to be the winter emergency shelter or a w winter emergency shelter site? Was it the was it the intent for this to have a little bit of ambiguity, or are we stating? that we want LCS to be the winter emergency shelter site with an improve, with a increase in capacity with a special use permit. I can respond to that. That is uh, the paragraph when I tried to summarize yeah. the term winter shelter, that's what I was referring to, is section four, paragraph D, um, and you just, read it, um, Commissioner Sellers, so I won't repeat it. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is what we're hoping, is that they will um, agree to, uh, consistent with the special use permit, surge capacity, um, and we are more than willing um, to work with them to make sure that that's done in a safe and, and um, successful way. 
Um, I heard safe, like concerns about safety a lot, and I just want to echo that. That is a top priority for us. Completely agree on that. Um, and I, I'll also say there, there's no other planning underway for um, any other type of winter sheltering. Um, so, you know, the city uh, through volunteers has, um, and largely volunteers from city staff, has run overnight uh, winter sheltering the last three years. Um, we're not planning on doing that. We want to work with the shelter, which is staffed with professionals to do this work. Um, and we think that we can work um, with LCS to make sure that that's done in a, in a way that safely utilizes the space. Okay. Looking still in section four, subsection F, can I get some clarity around police referrals to LCS? Is right. that a, a, a practice that we don't have now, or what, what, what am I not understanding with, with that? Yeah, I think that's just calling out the need for clarity around um, when a police officer is trying to assist somebody who is experiencing street homelessness, uh, getting them to LCS if, um, if that's somebody who's eligible to be there. I know there's some situations where people have been, um, um, I guess, expelled or um, banned, but in a situation where they haven't, um, I think having a process clarified to make those referrals. So we don't have a, a referral process, but this is essentially mandating a referral process be this. Be, be clarified, yeah. But if we didn't have a referral process, this doesn't clarify, this mandates. Because you're saying we didn't have a referral process before, correct? Correct. Or was it not followed? Um, I think I think our police officers need. Well, yeah, Misty, you want to go ahead and explain it? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. There is a referral process, and there are certain agencies that are able to make those referrals. Um, there's not been a working relationship with the the police department and LCS um, up at all. Uh, maybe in the past that I'm not aware of, but we are asking that they do uh, collaborate with the police department. So if somebody is picked up off the streets and needs to get out of the elements, that they allow the police to make a referral to the shelter. So the police weren't part of the original referral process right. and we're adding them. Yes. So it wasn't that they weren't in compliance with the referral process, they just weren't in the referral process to begin with. Correct? That, well, as far as I'm concerned, they um, are not interested in working with the... I, I didn't ask that. I, the, question, the question was, the current referral process, is the police department part of it? I'll have to let Melanie answer that question. I didn't develop... I just want somebody to answer the question. <laughs> I'm not sure what's being referred to. Um, we do have a referral process at LCS. Um, it has not been used by law enforcement. Um, we do offer that to other agencies. And I know in previous discussions we had um, spoken, I believe Brandon was included, maybe Craig, um, and that we would find a way for the dispatch people to contact us first and provide information on the person that they were seeking services for so that we could determine eligibility. Um, we have not had that happen. It hasn't been something that we've rejected. 
Um, typically, the experience we have is that people are dropped off in our parking lot and there is not contact, and then we usually find out um, but that person may be someone that is not eligible for our services, and maybe that's when we're running into issues. Um, we currently work with Douglas County Reentry. They use our referral process. We have a, a relationship that is working out well. It's not something we're against. Um, if, if there have been issues, they have not been brought to me. Okay. Mm. I've been toggling back and forth between um, a couple of the agreements. Um, are any other partners that receive special alcohol funding, are they in their agreements, is it, are they required if they are dealing with a homeless population, are they required to enter, enter data into HMIS? Yes. Okay. Any other questions? Um, I don't have any questions. I have some comments, but I'll wait. Any comments at this time? No more questions? Um, I just had a quick one. Uh, pervasive. I just wanted a little bit of clarity um, on that. Uh, you know, just folks were, of course, acting for safety and additional staff if need be. And uh, I just wanted to be clear that it is contingent and uh, there is the capacity to go ahead and do that, but it's working with them to see exactly what the needs are. Brandon? I'm sorry, I'm having trouble here, and the f fans are really loud back here. Uh, if they need an additional staff uh, or, you know, or funds or whatnot, it, we will be working with LCS to see exactly what those needs are and see how they can be met. Is that correct? Yeah. But yes, that's correct. We'll be happy to work with okay. them to identify what those are and bring it back to the commission. Okay. Just wanted to clarify. Mm -hmm. Okay, thoughts? I, you know, I guess, you know, my thought process is um, that, you know, appreciate the, the folks coming out tonight and, and talking about this. I think, you know, listening tonight, I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot of agreement on where we want to go with this. We want to help more people, and we want to provide the funds to help more people in a safe and, and possible way. Um, I think that's what we all want to do. And as, as Melanie said, um, you know, on one hand, um, wants to provide some expectation of what we're asking. Um, and a lot of these, you know, probably have some clarity issues, um, but I, I see that coming back when the funding request comes back, um, you know, and understanding what, you know, does three meals a day, does that mean three hot meals a day? Does that mean, you know, what, you know, what does that mean? Well, that comes in with funding decisions. Um, you know, I don't think we have to spell out every um, aspect of it in this, but to show the expectation, um, but I hope everyone here is hearing tonight that as we have a, a new board in place and we're asking for these expectations, we're also asking um, that you, you, you know, we find ways to fund that and, and we're committed to that, not only in the 23 budget, but the 24 budget. Um, and we have significant dollars in the 24 budget for that. And so, um, you know, I'm, you know, thankful for the employees at LCS. I heard a lot of 
the things you know which I expected to hear, which is we wanted to serve people in a in a safe possible way, and, and I look forward to this moving forward in in that way. Um, let's let's um, you know you know as I said in the first agenda item, um, you know. Stability at LCS has been a problem. Funding stability at LCS has been a problem. Everyone in this room knows it. We need to fix that. I think this commission is committed to fixing that, and, and I think this is the first step towards fixing that. Um, and because LCS is a vital part of our entire continuum, our entire plan includes LCS, includes Pallet Village, includes a whole spectrum of things, but this is a vital, um, LCS is vital to making this plan work. And so we um, are committed, I think we as a commission are committed to making that work. So I look forward to being able to support that moving forward. Other thoughts? And I'll jokingly say the 150 will, thousand will probably be you know, used up before we even meet again. So I don't know that, you know, that, uh, that you know, if they even meet the, uh, um, you know, the requirements, the, the money that we've given them will, you know, there's no expectation that these things be done even before we get the clarity on that. So um, anyway, lots of work to do, but I look forward to having this process to move forward. Uh, just, I'm going to be brief with mine. I would echo that, and I just want to reiterate that none of this is going to occur in a vacuum. I fully expect, um, you know, uh, you know, both on the city side and the county side to be reaching out to the folks that do work so very hard at LCNS, including them in the process, because they have vested interest in making this work as well. And we need their expertise and lived experience and they do a great job, and we want them to continue to do a great job. That's the goal. Um, LCS is a valuable jewel in this town. We want to make sure that it lasts and lasts. That's what we want. Any other thoughts? We yeah, I got a lot of thoughts. Um, I'm trying to make sure I get everything together here. Um, I'm... I'm Looking at Exhibit C, Exhibit A, and the addendum, hopefully by the next time we meet to address agreements with our 2024 budget that we can clean this up and reconcile all of this, because this is a hot mess. And I mean, I, I don't mean that to be provocative or anything, it just is. This whole thing is a hot mess, because we really haven't been interested in doing the soul work. We've been doing the superficial. We've been putting lipstick on pigs for 15 years. And now that we're faced with having to do the work, it is messy, it's ugly, it's yucky. And folks have been saying things that they shouldn't be saying about people and entities. And we haven't been really doing the work. We've been caring about houselessness. We don't believe in functional zero. We need to start believing in functional zero because caring about houselessness and individuals experiencing homelessness is not going to solve this problem. You can care about it and put a million dollars on it and we won't solve anything. And we'll have the same folks here crying and complaining about what the city, what the community and what everyone is or is not doing. So 
we got to move from caring to believing. Okay? Believing means giving of your time, your talent, your capacity, and your treasure. The city is not in the business of running emergency shelters, but they are a community benefit. Because at a blink of an eye, any one of us can be there. I don't care how much money you make. So we have to start seeing this as a community benefit and how we operate it to ensure that individuals who are experiencing houselessness only have to touch it for such a short period of time because we have more resources available to elevate them out of it than to keep them in stasis in it. So we're getting there. I truly believe that, and I echo the sentiments of Commissioner Finkeldye. I come at this a little bit different, um, but, but not to the point that I don't disagree. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things here that we're just not touching on, and we can't touch on it because there's so much capacity as a local government we can do. There are so many things that are outside of our control that we need to make this successful. State preempt, state, our state statutes preempt us on rent control and inclusionary zoning. That drastically impacts our ability to navigate around affordable housing. Um, we don't have presumptive eligibility that could, based on a simple screening, elevate those who would need Medicaid to have it. We haven't even expanded Medicaid. So even if we have presumptive eligibility, most of the individuals who are experiencing houselessness right now don't qualify for Medicaid, but what if we expand it and if we have presumptive eligibility, we would be able to get them there so then they can connect to services. Services go to organizations. Organizations generate funds. Funds generate jobs. That takes us on the capacity. Because we have to look at this from a funding piece and from a capacity piece. Because we have to throw money at it, but we have to throw money at it for services, for supports, for bodies. So a lot of that is within our control, but most of this is things that we have to take to Topeka. And I say that because we have to start thinking about the policy piece of this. We can't bear the burden of this all. It's literally impossible. But we need to make our state government responsible for their portion. There is funding available for us to address this. Criminalizing houselessness is not going to make this better. Putting resources and allowing local governments to direct those resources in the ways that sees fit to elevate those and to take the pressure off the bottleneck that we're currently experiencing right now where we don't have enough temporary sheltering and emergency sheltering and we have a lot more affordable housing coming on board but because of that bottleneck right here you're seeing more of the visual camping some of the same folks that's been there We've talked about it, point in time count, doesn't give you everything. It doesn't even give you McKinney-Vento. We haven't even talked about families experiencing homelessness. We haven't even talked about low, the real conversation around low barrier sheltering. Individuals with SPMIs, mm, what is that? So we can't mask homelessness as a bunch of transit, psycho, 
crackhead, some of the things I hear where we put one face on folks, which they're none of those faces. These are individuals who have behavioral needs, who experience mental episodes, who are not getting the services that they need because they don't have the health care that they need. It's individuals who need, the, who need connections to work resources, very progressive case management, to lift themselves and to move themselves out of the process. And then there are just folks who've just been in this cycle for so long, it's going to take them a while. And it's not on your time. So I believe in this, there is a way out. And I appreciate having Melanie at LCS to ride through this, that we have systems in place where we have a, a, an outreach director who can partner and collaborate in that work. We've brought on a consultant that's going to help us move through this with the interim director who can do that work. At this point, we can't start picking too many folks out of the process or else we're going to make it unstable. So um, I have a little bit more ease in, in understanding how we're going to process this, that it's not going to come overnight. Um, we're probably going to have another addendum come to us because, you know, before we blink, that holiday that we celebrate in November will be here, and then who knows what global warming. Winter shelter may come a little bit earlier than we, I'm not trying to jinx us, but I mean, this gets us there. But I, I want folks to understand this is one piece of the bigger ecosystem that we can't solve just here on this dais. It's going to take a little bit more work from some folks down the street. That's all I got, Mayor. <laughs> I, I don't have a lecture. Um, I, um, I, I think we all understand that this is a gap. Uh, I do want to thank everyone who came and shared their experiences with us. I'm particularly grateful to people who remind us of what the safety issues are. We can't see when they're inside the building. We see them now that they're outside. Um, uh, so I appreciate you all coming and sharing that and reminding us of th that importance. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'll just add a few words um, t tagging on what Commissioner Sellis says, talked about um, the funding, having quite a bit of funding available to address this as well as um, the fact that instead of leaving folks into the situation that they're homeless, study, there's, there's study, excuse me, yeah. studies have shown that um, it's cheaper to have folks in housing than it is to have them unhoused. And that's the efficient model we need to continue to work towards. And that's, I believe, what we're doing is to use those dollars wiser to get folks into housing and into a, to a healthy situation. And I do believe that's our goal. I know that's our goal. I mean, we've been working towards this, and it's been a little sloppy. I don't disagree. And it's been, um, um, we're working through it. We don't have a model right now to work with, so we are kind of creating it as we go along. But I have no doubt that that uh, that, as far as I'm concerned with the city, is that um, we're going to continue to look at the funding as we get feedback from the board and as to what the needs are, and from the d executive director what the needs are. That we're going to provide that funding that's necessary to ensure that this is successful. I mean, there's there's no other way to go but to be successful, and we've we've got to continue that. So, um, thanks staff for putting this in in the, the community shelter for the folks who came out and spoke tonight. You gave a perspective that I think is so important for us to hear but across the board I continue to hear we want safety 
and we want to be housed eventually. And I think that's a common goal, and I, I, I appreciate that very much, so thank you. There's no other comments. I move to authorize the city manager to execute addendum number one to the 2023 Lawrence Community Shelter Funding Agreement in the amount of $150,000 and approve a corresponding amendment to the 2023 adopted budget for the use of general fund balance. Second. The first and second, all in favor? Aye. 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 Passes five to zero. On to item three, which is consider approving appointments as recommended by the mayor and contingent upon adoption of the joint city county, county resolution number 7509. So we've got three appointments that have been nominated. And I did let um, them know if they wanted to come up and speak, any of them, they're more than welcome to, if you'd like. These are the folks who were nominated, yeah. May I have a question? When you said these are folks who were nominated, are you saying they were your recommendation as a nomination? Yes. Or they were, okay. They were my I just wanted a point of clarification on that. Sure. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Kiever, and I just wanted to say that I am really motivated by the incredible presence that the LCS staff has had today. I think, you know, I've been in the nonprofit industry for 13 years now, um, and it has been the greatest honor of my life to work in local nonprofits here in our community, and I know how important a strong board is. Um, eight years ago, I was really fortunate to have a strong board that helped Just Food when I was the executive director through a really challenging time. And I think it's really important that um, us as a new board do so much community listening to the staff, to the folks experiencing homelessness, and whatever I can do in my capacity and with my experience to lend a help to the Lawrence Community Shelter because it is so incredibly vital to our community and we cannot let that organization fail. And I am just um, honored to be a part of this chapter for the Lawrence Community Shelter or be considered to be a part of this chapter for the Lawrence Community Shelter. Uh, and I look forward to working with the staff. And I thank them deeply. I thank them deeply for the incredible, challenging work that they do. Thank you. I'm Shannon Lowry. I'm the CEO of the Housing Authority. Um, I've been working in housing, um, I guess, about 13 years. Um, and I agree with the LCS staff and everyone who spoke that housing is the answer. Um, and uh, that we don't have all of what we need, not at any level. I think we've been working off that housing continuum, and LCS is a critical piece. Emergency housing is a critical piece um, to provide a safe place for both staff and the participants until we can get them housing. I believe that was probably why I was approached for this nomination. Um, and um, so it's a good timing for me. I rotate off the Affordable Housing Advisory Board um, and am in, in very grateful and honored to be considered to work now in this segment of that housing continuum um, that I'm so proud that as a community that we are really committed to. We're not perfect. We haven't gotten there yet, but we believe 
and we're ready to put the work in to accomplish um, all we can in this area. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, commissioners. My name is Chuck Magrill, and I've been involved in organizations, boards, and task force in this community for probably 45 or 50 years. So I appreciate the work that goes into all of these organizations from the community standpoint, from the aspect of caring for what we see in Lawrence, what we value, and how we want our future to be. And for quite some time, I've been involved in a lot of the discussions having to do with homelessness and the challenges that people are experiencing. I've had the opportunity to visit the shelter and see the incredible work that's being done out there. So it's a critical part of our society and of our community. And I truly think it's the, the biggest crisis that our community is facing at this point. I'm very interested in contributing in any way that I can. So I uh, certainly have the, the uh, appreciation and the respect for the people that are doing the work. And I would be honored to serve in that capacity. So thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Mayor. I just wanted to ask, since there have been um, questions and they will probably come up again in public comment, if you wanted me to respond to the um, appointment applications. And yes, I was going to those. ask you about that. Yes, the process. Uh, okay, thank you. So um, the resolution that we have, number 7224, outlines um, how advisory appointments occur. Um, there is a list that is received, and um, although it states that that goes to the city manager's office staff and the mayor, actually there is an automatically generated email that goes to all commissioners. So they have access to those when they come. Um, and then it also states that um, this, the, um, the mayor, um, when a current vacancy or an upcoming vacancy or any opening, it is the mayor who will contact citizens to get, gauge whether they would be a suitable candidate and then um, outline some um, that the mayor will strive to reflect the diversity of the community and then the mayor will make that recommendation of appointment to the city commission. But I just wanted to be clear that all of you have access to those applications. Yep. Thank you, Sherry, that is correct. Okay, so I have a question, Mayor. Um, were were these the only three candidates that we had? No, there were there were others. Okay, I can't name them all, but there were so. You can't name them all. No. Do we know exactly how many there were? Um, I don't. Okay. I think I counted five. Is that correct, Sherry? I believe there was more that is six correct. So. I can look really quick. There's about six or seven. Yeah, six. And so all six individuals were contacted? No. Okay. Was there any, because of the sensitivity of these appointments, were there any Interviews, conversations. Mm -hmm. There was, yes. With all the candidates? No. Okay. I'll let us have public comment on this. 
that's all the questions I have at this moment. Anything else? No. Public comment? Are we having public comment? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just asking if oh, there's no. anything else here. Yeah. yeah. I don't anything think anybody else, else does. No, I said I'll I'll open was done. Public comment. Open we'll to public comment now. Hi, my name is Denise Ballard, and um, I actually am one of the people who did um, submit um, an application. And <clears throat> the reason why I wanted to make a comment um, is because looking at um, how this was done, I understand the rules that you pick the people um, who get nominated. And the thing is, is that um, like I didn't get a call or an email um, to even see like understand what are the qualifications, what were you looking for to see if maybe I was qualified um, to be considered um, as, a, as a nominee. And the reason why <clears throat> I wanted to bring this up is because currently um, I am volunteering at a lot of these different places like Just Foods, Family Promise, Link, and the reason why is so that I can have some type of interaction with the people who are going through this so that I'm not sitting in my home in an ivory tower saying, well, this is what we, this is what we should do. But getting down there and taking food to the tent camp and uh, spending some time with them at link, listen, listening to their stories. So, especially with, <clears throat> with my background, I've lived here for a while. I'm retired from the Department of Treasury, so I understand um, finances. If anyone is getting a Social Security check or a disability check, that is the program that I worked on for 10 years. So those are the things that, along with getting my hands dirty, that I think I could have brought to the table <coughs> And it, what, I, what would have been appreciative if and only if you really want to move the needle in the right direction equitably was to at least an email to say, hey, I see you're interested. Just tell me a little bit about you. So. I just wanted to make sure that I share that so that as you're considering moving forward with any type of board, that the people understand what the qualifications are and to at least um, talk to all of the people who have applied. Thank you. Hi, Jamie Price again. Um, I uh, thank you, uh, Mayor Larson and uh, City Commissioners for the opportunity to speak on this topic this evening. I am concerned, um, as I heard earlier, um, the one criteria was uh, that the board was diverse and represented the community in which it's going to be serving. I didn't see that level of diversity with the three uh, nominees put forth by the mayor. I think that um, it's important that we have a, divorce, a, diver, a diverse board 
that represents not only the, the, the city of Lawrence, but also the members that live, the guests that receive services at the shelter. And I I'm, didn't see that level of transparency or that level of diversity with the current. My other concern with two of the nominees is they receive, the organizations they work for, receive funding from the city. Um, and I believe that's a potential conflict of interest. And I'm curious as to how that's going to be managed and how will that be um, you know, managed within the constraints of the, the, the current funding that's at the Lawrence Community Shelter. These individuals will have access to the donors um, that donate to the uh, existing community shelter. How are they gonna manage those conflicts of interest related to um, donor lists? Um, and just kind of curious, um, I could maybe see where a couple of them were interested in issues of sheltering. I'm not sure where all of them were necessarily interested in that. Um, and because we weren't, um, as a community, apprised of um, you know everyone's level of interest and their expertise, I think it's just not been transparent to the community of Lawrence. Thank you. Other public comment? Melanie Valdez, NRM Executive Director at Lawrence Community Shelter. Um, I did want to thank you for opening up uh, the appointments for public comment. Uh, my time at LCS has been quite challenging. Um, I've been attempting to lift up an agency that has been heavily burdened by a history of instability, a lack of resources, and without adequate support. At times, this task has been very overwhelming. It is my commitment to our mission that um, the people that we serve and our staff, or sorry, I lost my place, um, commit to our mission that uh, we continue to provide successful, appropriate, adequate, and safe shelter services. Um, it is the people that we serve and my staff that keep me going every single day. Um, every day that I walk into the shelter, I see passion, dedication, hope, and a sense of community from our staff and our guests. I am very proud of all of them. They deserve support and respect. And today, as we are entering into a new phase of our journey, uh, these changes can bring a lot of opportunities and promise to our agency and the community. I know there may be hesitations and concerns with the city and county appointing community members to our board. It is natural to have questions or reservations about things um, that are new or unknown. But what I want to demonstrate today to the city, the current and upcoming board members, our staff, our guests, and our community, is a willingness to work collaboratively towards the shared focus of ending homelessness in Douglas County. And I ask that we all approach this transition with a sense of optimism and a shared commitment to the success of LCS. Let's start with a clean slate, free from preconceived notions, and with an unwavering belief in the potential for progress. I am committed to supporting these new board members as they integrate into our organization, and I kindly request the same open-mindedness from the commissioners, the new board members, and our community. Our collaborative efforts can create assurance that we are on a path towards a more stable and impactful future. By working together with trust, transparency, and unity, we can continue to provide vital services to our community members experiencing houselessness and make a meaningful difference in their lives. With a network of support, we will not only thrive, but also be a symbol of hope in our community. Thank you. You have the public comment on this item? 
Oh, thank you. Um, I'm very compassionate regarding our situation. Um, I would like to just throw in with um, possibly getting to know the new homeless coordinator, and I know Ms. Jean-Anne and the board, that um, I would like to say, and I don't know for sure what will happen to me tomorrow, but I don't see why um, individuals experiencing homelessness that we cannot help or we should be able to help you know, with the funding for food. And I would like to say that um, a person in, as far as a single person in the state of Kansas, if we can get everyone registered, um, receives $291 a month for food stamps, assistance in food. That's a single individual. And then, so I'm thinking that, you know, people that are here experiencing homelessness, I'm sorry, I haven't spoken a long time, but um, I we're, we're talking you know, about the board members right, right now. but I just want to say with the Thank funding, you. you know, I know that there's rules and things, you know, moving forward, why can't um, the individuals help, excuse me, help with the funding, you know, that would be a big thing, I mean, as far as if you want to stay in the homeless shelter, if you want to stay in the tent city, you know, be obligated to, you know, give, you know, some money, not saying a lot, but I mean a lot, you know, a little bit here and there with everyone living there should be, you know, made responsible to, you know, help with the, you know, with the food, with, you know, with things. Because, you know, really when we're there, we're not allowed to work. When we're living there, we're not allowed, you know, to do things. But I think that would give a sense of pride, it give a sense of contributing. You know, if you can't pay your way, you can earn your stay. Okay. So, thank you. I just wanted to make that comment that that could help with them. Um, you know, with the meals. Okay. Other public comment. Before you guys make your decision, I want to make something very clear to you. Those of us that are experiencing this, we're not numbers. We're not your statistics. We're human beings. We work, we have families. I'm a mother. I'm somebody else's daughter. We all live here. How would you guys individually feel if your children or your mothers were in this situation and there was no funding and nobody cared? Before you make your decision, I'm begging for you guys to understand that we're not the dregs of society. We are society. We're human beings, we're people, and we just want to survive here in this community. I love this community. This community's been my heart for a long time, but I don't feel like I've gotten anything back from it aside from LCS, they care. I don't feel like any of you have cared. So please, put yourselves in the position of a parent or a daughter Imagine your people in this situation and what you would want to be done. And know we're people just like you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you. We're people. I'm not a number. I'm nobody's statistic. And never will I be. Because I'm going to get myself out of this. But some of us need a hand up, not a hand out. So please, before you make your decision, please keep that in mind. Thank you. Any other public comment from the room? Good 
Good evening. My name is Larissa Amundsen, and I joined the Lawrence Community Shelter Board in January of 2022, first as treasurer, then as chair, uh, and finally as a board member. I did resign last month uh, due to other personal commitments where I could not give uh, the amount of support that I have seen here this evening, which I'm very grateful for. So I want to express my gratitude for the city and the budget changes in 2024 to address the funding needs of the shelter and the homelessness situation. Um, again, grateful for everyone who is who is here uh, showing that support and all of the time and and money that is that is given to the shelter. Um, with the significant funding that is coming next year for the shelter, um, that requires a need for significant governance and fiduciary responsibility. Um, the board members must have the skills and experience to provide that governance and fiduciary support to the executive director. Uh, those board members must also listen to the voices of the community, particularly those who are currently or have experienced homelessness, many of whom we've heard from this evening. Um, Elizabeth Kiever has extensive experience in the community and in boardrooms, and she has served as the executive director of Just Food and now the chief development officer at Heartland. Um, this experience will be an asset to the shelter board. Chuck's experience with policy changes coupled with his business experience will also be an asset to the governing board. I am concerned about Shannon's appointment as many guests at the shelter may be the very same people that the housing authority was unable to serve. Um, her experience with our vulnerable populations should not be ignored. She, will be, she should be considered to lead a community advisory board for Lawrence Community Shelter, uh, which leads me to my recommendation for a community advisory board or a CAB for, for LCS. This non-voting board would serve as a platform for those who have lived experience to share their challenges, ideas, and vision to help the community reach functional zero. The members of the CAB can connect with the community in ways the governing board is not able to. Members should be compensated for their time and gain the skills and experience to allow them to serve on a governing board in the future if they choose to do so. Commissioners, you have been elected to your position by members of this community, and you should in turn appoint members to the CAB. I will leave it to the experts to determine what the makeup of the CAB should be, but it must be diverse and include community members who are currently or have previously experienced homelessness. This is not a new concept. Lawrence Memorial Hospital has a patient and family advisory board, and similarly, the board is appointed by the mayor. Thank you for your time and consideration this evening. Any other public comment from the room? So I th thought I'd put some words out there for what I hope to see. Um, with a deeper relationship between the city, the city management, and the LCS board. Um, a focus on fundraising, a focus on getting resources for fundraising. There's been a history of the board getting distracted by trying to micromanage the actual management of the organization and not placing their focus on actually getting the funds necessary to do their jobs. Um, an emphasis on figuring out how to work with a larger community infrastructure to make it so they no longer have to do a lot of stuff that should not be their job, like functioning as a ad hoc psych ward um, for all of the various different areas in which there are service gaps in the community. Um, those two things, just alone, figuring out how to make it so they are no longer dealing with every single geriatric case that's 
there is not an infrastructure for every single behavioral health case, that there is not an infrastructure for, so they can focus on actually case managing people towards housing, obviously clearly continuing to work the, on that strategic plan towards, towards housing options, but keeping the board focused on lightening the load that the staff that are operating that facility are under and getting them the funds necessary to do their jobs. If you can keep the focus on that, I would love it. I would love it. I'd be over the moon. I'd buy y'all a pony. Thank you. Any other public comment from the room? Now we'll go to Zoom. Chris Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers and my first thought was when was this listed about um, this board? I didn't even know you all were looking for appointments. Um, and also, it seems kind of weird. Uh, you just approved this. I thought earlier this night, yet you already had the appointments. I think there should be like a 30-day after you make this that you get gather applications. And also, I find it very troubling that the mayor didn't even interview everyone. Especially, I don't want to make assumptions, but the per the person saying she didn't get interviewed seemed like she was a person of color, and we have three people people who look like they're white. So I'm just wondering, did the mayor appoint all white people without interviewing a person of color who applied to this? Because when you talk about diversity, shouldn't the mayor at least be interviewing everyone? Like this seems half-assed if she's not even interviewing everyone who applies. Like how are you actually going to be getting the best candidates? Um, Oh, yeah, and I have a problem, um, not a big problem, but it is kind of a problem um, with the Free State Brewery owner because I thought he was at a previous meeting where he was, I don't want to say bitching, but he didn't seem happy about the homeless people um, scaring business away from downtown. And I don't, I don't think we need someone representing the business community on the shelter board. Um, their interest is keep it like their interest is limiting the homeless impact on downtown businesses. It's not about actually what is best for the homeless people. So I would rather not have someone who's been to, well, may, I might be wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering things, but I thought that the free, stu, free, free, free state brewery person had been here bitching about um, homeless people, scared, like, you know, the problems they're causing downtown. So um, I, I would, I'd rather you put some a more diverse board and at least interview everyone. And I think the other commissioner should hold, you should put some more pressure on the mayor. You Don't just be blindly approving this stuff, especially if she's not even, she's admitted it, she's not even interviewing everyone who's applied. Uh, the, you're not actually, you don't know if you're getting the best candidates or not if she's not even interviewing everyone. Thank you. Lawrence Accountability. Well, I got to tell you, you guys are real fortunate for Chris Flowers tonight because he has a much nicer way of calling out the oldest white lady on that dais as racism. And the biased nature of the way this has been done. The half-assedness. I mean, he, he did a really good job of calling all that out because 
That's, that's exactly the perception that's coming out here. Um, I, I wasn't going to ring in a lot tonight. I actually left the meeting earlier, not expecting to log back in. But, Mayor, when, when we find out that you're not even interviewing people, um, I used to think that it was just me that got treated this way. But I guess it's me and black people too, right? I mean, why do our leaders treat the citizens that way? That is, that is just completely disrespectful. And then I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about we're working on a PR problem. Because that's what this is. Miss Ballard has extreme qualifications. She, she did not receive a phone call. Are you serious? That, that, that's shocking. But instead of her, we have a business owner, and Chris is right. Um, there were some things said that didn't sound too friendly to the homeless. So the agenda is clear. It, it's a PR thing. You're, you're not putting in best practice. You, you have city management who's out of touch with that, who's all about controlling a narrative. There was a period of time where Laura McCabe spent more time with HID than anybody else. But instead of controlling the narrative, this commission needs to get back to business. And the three people up there that are just going along with everything and hardly saying anything and talking about good prospects down the road, the, these hollow promises is why the LCS is having funding issues, some of it. Uh, money's still owed and you're going to make more promises and, and establish a board that's got a plant that is a business owner instead of the most qualified person that you didn't even interview. That is absolutely shameful. And I mean, you, you should really address that, Mayor. That, that really does need to be addressed publicly because that is absolutely shameful conduct. You know the public comment? That's all the comments, Mayor. All right, bring it back to the commission for any discussion. I might want to ask Tony about this um, notion of conflict. Yeah, I I don't see that that would be a conflict for the for these appointments. Um, the the resolution seventy two twenty four you know has uh, basic requirements for appointees. They have to be a resident of Lawrence or um, own a business in Lawrence. Um, we do have an ethics policy that applies once advisory board members are um, members, and they couldn't do anything. Um, they couldn't use their position on a board to um, further their own personal interests. Um, but you know, as it stands, just the fact that um, these members may have contacts or um, may have an interest in the field doesn't doesn't disqualify them. Discussion? I mean, to say that I've, I'm a little bit disappointed, with, it, it doesn't do justice. Um, I've, I've shared many a times with appointments, and I've heard the different backlash from different commissioners about well, this is how we do it. No one's said before. No one's been an issue. It's never been an issue before. And I continue to say the same thing. If you continue to move things in bureaucracy, you'll get bureaucracy. And bureaucracy doesn't always mean equity. 
So um, governance in 2005, 2008, it's not the same as it is in 2023. And we keep coming to these traditional ideals and traditional policies and say, this is how we're going to do it because this is what's easy. This is what's comfortable without really doing the due diligence and accountability. I've heard commissioners say, I can't get people of color to, to, to be on boards. They don't want to do it. And that's a traditional thought process because you're expecting folks who have been disenfranchised to come to you when we should be going to them. We take advantage of the fact that we are at-large elected officials and that because it's so vast that sometimes we can cut corners a little bit in doing the, do, doing the due diligence. And I have, for the most part, I don't have an issue with any of the recommendations. I have some differences and differences opinions with each and every one of them. I know that Mr. Magro served on the Spark Committee, was appointed by the governor and did that work. I knew it because I had to study that work. So I know his capabilities and he probably has flaws because we all do. I know the work that Ms. Aury does with our housing authority and the work that she's done on the Affordable Housing Advisory Board. She has flaws as well. I know the work that Ms. Kiever has done and the things that she's done from Just Foods to now with Heartland. She has flaws as well. There is no perfect board appointee. And no, there's nothing that says verbatim that at least one person of a board has to be a person of color. We can toss that to the county and say, oh, the, let, let the county do that. Let the county put the affirmative action person on there. And it's not even an issue of, of race. It's an issue of due diligence. We all know when the, appoint, when the applications came in, because it is true, we do get a notification of it. So I know when the applications for each person came in. So I don't say, I don't think any of the individuals who were asked by the mayor are not capable of doing the work. But let's put a little bit more thought into this instead of it being coming off a little bit performative. And that's what it feels like. Because that's the experience. I've been in this place. And we continue to do it time after time after time after time after time again and again. So I can't vote on this tonight. I'm not going to vote on this tonight. Because in my heart of hearts, due diligence wasn't given. End of my lecture. <laughs> uh, no matter how this is this has come about, um, I support the mayor's nominations or appointments. I think all three of these folks are qualified, and I think they'll do a great job. And I think they will set LCS on a path to stability that we've been all talking about. Um, I think the just the part this plays in our greater plan of developing emergency shelter 
and affordable housing uh, kind of dictated um, these appointments in the expedient manner that they were made. But I think we got lucky that uh, the mayor was able to uh, find these folks to go ahead and that are willing to step up and serve our community as opposed to uh, being on the sidelines. So I commend them. Ms. Denise Ballard stood, stepped up and put in her application to serve. She stepped up. I didn't before, say anything. Before Elizabeth Kiever, Shannon Alry, and Chuck Magro stepped up. She stepped up. She did. She did. I'm not discounting her or you know her willingness to serve as well. I'm just commending them. So, um, unfortunately, when this came up last time, this appointments conversation, whether you want it to or not, it becomes personal um, about the applicants. And again, that's what's un unfortunate. And I, I see as part of the process to uh, protect people who are volunteering their time and energy, um, again, for free, uh, to do these important, to fill these important positions. Um, and, and indeed, I, I do not want anything that I am saying to represent disrespect to the mayor, but I've also never seen one person so inappropriate for uh, a position on a board since I've been here, except in one case, um, which had to do with another organization and was arguably outside certain kinds of influence. Um, so I think my, um, the kindest thing I could ask is for the mayor to perhaps reconsider. Um, I think once we have had this conversation out loud, some other people might come out of uh, our community that are highly qualified to do this, um, even though I think some of the people who applied probably are. Um, again, I don't want this to be interpreted, mayor, as disrespect to you. I hope you don't interpret it that way. Um, but I have a, a grave concern with one of these um, appointments, which I did express to you. Yeah, who is that? Chuck Magro. Okay. We have received um, over the past year, and in particular, a piece of correspondence in March, which I consider to be dehumanizing in its terms and um, disqualifying for this position. I did not in any way, shape, or form want to say that, and um, I thought it would have been much easier to have that conversation um, as commissioners and to avoid that. But the public makes a point. We don't really have conversations about who does these jobs, and now we're here, and if people want transparency, which, um, Many of the downtown owners said they did. Um, that That is the transparency, that's the information I'm sharing. I appreciate you sharing that, Commissioner Shipley. Um, none of this is a disrespect to the mayor. Um, but we, we, we need, I, I can't speak for anyone. I can't say we because I can only control me. And I don't approach this with traditional eyes. 
I don't do it in my professional work, and I can't do it in this. So, you know, I did the same thing that the mayor did. I asked for a point of clarification when this was made aware to us. And I did my due diligence to research and find individuals who could have the balance of maybe not lived experience, but enough experience in the system while having a professional subject matter expertise that could be valuable as a board member. And I asked those individuals to apply. Some of them applied before those who were recommended. Some of them applied after those who were recommended applied. But I did my due diligence with no disrespect to anyone on this dais because I did the work to find individuals who wanted to do the exact same thing, to be a service to their community and to be a service to LCS. Conversation. I guess I would only add that, um, you know, the, the process is that the mayor nominates and, and we approve. And we have three nominations before us, so then the question becomes, do I approve the, th the three that, that were selected? And I do think they'll all be uh, good um, board members, and so I support them. I stand strongly behind my uh, appointees for a vote. I think they'll do a very good job for our community. And I definitely um, reviewed and spoke with each one of them individually. I also spoke with others in the community, not just those three, about the prospect of, of their thoughts on whether they wanted to be part of the board. And these are the three that I believe um, are good for the job. I stand behind them. So, no other conversation, and that is for a motion. Mayor, could I ask you, under the circumstances, to allow me to vote for the two, um, uh, Ms. Lowry and Ms. Keever? Um, I'm fine. Sherry, is that okay if we split those out? Of course. Okay. Then let's do that. Move for approval of uh, the appointment of Shan Lowry and Elizabeth Kiefer. Um, by the mayor and contingent upon adoption of the joint city county resolution number 7509 by the county. Second. First and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. I abstain. Did you say I, I said I, I abstain. You abstain. No, I stopped. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Shipley here. Um, okay. Passes um, by three, to, by four to two. No. Zero one. Yeah. Four to zero with one abstention, Mayor. Yep. Move for approval uh, the appointment of Chuck Magrell um, to the LCS board and as a contingent upon the adoption of the joint city county resolution number 7509 by the county. Second. Got a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. I abstain. Nine. I got a three yay, one nay, and one abstain. On to commission items. 
I had one commission item. Um, I, I, I can't remember exactly when you'll have a utility conversation, utility um, fee conversation, um, but just had quite a few talk folks talk to me about uh, the water bill, you know, as especially people who reseeded their lawns, getting five, four, five, six hundred dollar water bills, which I, I, you know, so I'm just curious when we get that information, kind of curious if we could have some, if there's ability in our system to kind of track to see, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, how many people are paying $600 a month for water, um, you know, and maybe what the average is all, or how the outliers are? I'm not asking that question very well, it's late, but you get what I'm getting at, Craig? Kind of information, just to see how common that is, is though, like the four people who, who got a $600 bill called me, or is there 1,200 people who got a $600 bill and only four of them called me? Just kind of trying to figure that understanding. Some of the impact of the tiered rate system. Yes. Especially on irrigation systems. I think we can do some analysis on that, yeah. uh, maybe in the next 30 days. And again, it might be as part of the conversation when we bring back the water rates, too. I, I'm... Okay. Doesn't necessarily have to be within the 30 days, sure. but just as we as we assess the the tiered system, which I support, I just kind of understanding the impact. Right, we'll do. Thanks. Any other commission items? I have a commissioner announcement. So, um, in the words of the great Ricky Bobby, "If you're not first, you're last." This morning, the Wichita City Council unanimously, unanimously approved um, the passage of the Crown Act in their non-discriminatory ordinance. Um, I was able to provide written comments because their meetings are just as long and, as ours, and I needed to get my hair done. But um, I did let the um, mayor of Wichita know that um, we do have the oldest civil rights code. Um, he was sadly mistaken in his comments, so I had to remind him that ours passed in 1961 prior to the passage of the Civil Rights Act in 1964 by the U.S. government and reminded him that um, if he needed any other um, pointers or support that the city of Lawrence is here to support them. But congratulations to Wichita becoming the second community um, and the second municipality in the state of Kansas to pass the Crown Act. That's all I have, Mayor. Any other commission items? Now we'll move on to the city manager's report. The, the only two on here are the utility billing report, the regular one, and um, future agenda items. Any questions for Craig on those? Just a quick question. Um, the boards and commissions, I know they met. Did, do we have an idea when that might come to us? I don't see that on the future oh, yeah. agenda. The commission, the committee I committee. say we were committee thinking maybe second meeting in November. Cherry, is that ringing a bell for you? We do. Ha we do have to. We did have to put some language into, into it. Yeah. They haven't submitted but, their report they, yet. They submitted a form. Yeah. They made a, rec a formal recommendation. We we have some work to do to put it together and make sure that it gets to you in an actionable way. Okay. But do you think in November or December? Yes. Okay. Just curious because yeah. I didn't no, see thanks. it. So I just wanted. To We're not quite done with our meeting up here. Please. We'll get it on the agenda. <laughs> Just on the future agenda. Mm -hmm. Okay, other? Or Hanukkah. Okay, it, it, anybody else on the? We'll open up for public comment. This is a public comment item. Anybody have any public comments on the city manager's report? 
Anybody online? No, Mayor. Okay, bring it back up to the commission. We're now on to the, to the calendar. Any calendar items? Might to understand we're not gonna have a meeting on November 14th? No, we, we have not. We will have a meeting. We will, okay. Yes. I didn't see it on the, and then I saw we were having. I don't having. think we had items in, but then we're gonna do a light agenda on the first Tuesday. So we'll, we'll get those listed on the future agendas. Okay, because I saw folks are gonna be gone that week of the 14th. Some folks. We reconciled it. Sorry, Sherry. My understanding is we will have three in person and one via Zoom, so we will. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Anything else on the calendar? If not, we'll go to item L, which is adjournment. Move to adjourn. Second. Got a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Have a good night. Passes.